All right, everybody, bring it in. Episode 42, read option back here. Our Friday episode. Vito's in the background throwing money, theoretically speaking. Uh, Can I have some? (laughs) And Scotty's (laughs) over there trying to catch it all. I think you're making it rain. From my view, you're above Scotty on my Zoom. So you're making it rain on to Scotty. So uh, enough rain. We've gotten enough rain. Uh, I'm joined by Scotty and Vito. Great pod today going to be breaking down week one of college football we're going to give some picks we are going to touch on gambling and whatnot we have some nfl news we have to get to and some fun random life shit i think that's just just what we're going to call it it's just random life shit because i i just i love the idea of coming up with something completely random um boys how are you both doing good man good uh uh, thanks for um you know picking up the slack on the pod uh i was out in california i missed our fantasy draft most of it Yes, you um, did. and, uh, auto drafted some great players, but got a, uh, JK Dobbins IR draft pick there. So that's, oh, yeah, not- we, we dumped on you on Monday on Tuesday's pod. Good. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Good. That's you how should. we led the show. <laughs> Good. And then, uh, anyway, but this weekend, um, got, uh, got some concerts going to see Kygo, Elenium, some, some nice outdoor venue, uh, you know, oh. end of summer, little, uh, little weekend festival here. So pretty excited. How, how about you guys? I'm good. I, I'm so happy that that football is back in. How about this weather? Uh, it's It's been so hot this summer that 80 degrees today, no clouds in the sky. I had to wear a jacket. That's, that's how hot this summer has been. Um, but I, I want to give a shout out to, uh, to a new listener of the podcast. Uh, his, his name is Kirk. He works at the Braemar uh Safeway out here in uh in Virginia and uh so uh give you a, a quick story here uh Kirk so I I did a, a virtual um beer run uh, I ordered online picked up the beer Kirk dropped it off in my trunk I'm wearing my Niners shirt um he notices it we get to talking about NFL football he's a Giants fan I go Saquon it's a natural progression for me as a Penn Stater um so we get to talking about football I coincidentally had our NFC preview on go check it out wherever you can get your podcasts. And um, so he starts listening and goes, oh, I like this. This is good. What's the name of your podcast? So I write it down and uh, I don't see him for a while. I walk into the to the Safeway on Tuesday to pick something up for my wife's song that she had asked me to get on the way home. I see Kirk and I say, hey, Kirk, how's it going? And uh, and Kirk goes, hey, you're Scott, right? The guy with the uh, with the podcast, the read option. I was like, yes, Absolutely. And he goes, oh, I love the show. It's so great. Um, and, and then we proceeded to sit there and talk for like 10 minutes about NFL football coming up. And, and uh, Malik Willis, he goes, uh, so is this, I was listening to the podcast this morning. Is, is Malik Willis for real? And I said, yeah, he's the real deal. He's electric. And he's like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll t- make the drive down to Liberty to, to go watch him. It's like three hours away from here. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> if you got the chance, go do it, man. And uh, so, Kirk from the uh, from the Braemar Safeway, uh, thank you for listening. Much appreciated, and we hope you continue to listen. Let's go! Shout out to Kirk, yo man, yeah, Kirk. Uh, I love it, fan fan number one, right? Well, probably not fan yeah. number one, but he might be our number one fan. 
it could be it's a little different you know like fan number one's like you know who's going to be like the first one to listen to like your first it's always mom usually yeah Yeah. (laughs) vicky g is is the og she's been following (laughs) us since the xfl days even though she had no idea what we were talking about um but after that kirk from safeway go take a trip down to roanoke or lynchburg i should say go check out liberty uh and you'll have a great time thank you my man for listening and also just quick thank you to everybody who listens uh you know, yeah. one of the weird things about doing a podcast is we get we get numbers like we kind of have a ballpark idea. But we don't always get a ton of interaction. We don't always get a ton of people texting us being like, oh, like I love this on the pod. But we do know that people listen. And that is objectively to me, like the coolest thing about this is that people take time out of their day when they're driving a car, going to work, doing whatever to listen to us bs and talk about football and you know basketball and random sports and gambling and seltzers and everything in between and it's a really remarkable feeling so kirk you're the man thank you for uh, listening to the pod we hope you uh, get a chance to actually hear this and if you do check yeah. us out interact with us listen up we're on twitter at read option pod at jeff uh, at jeff gimple scotty uh was it at spm43 no, that's not even close. It's no. S underscore Miller five, but you're... Oh. I'm thinking of uh, a different <laughs> thinking of your email. Um, anyway, uh, I do want to give Kirk. I do want to give a shout out to all of our um, listeners up in Philly and New York and in different places. And we have a few people who down south who listen pretty regularly as well. I hope everyone stayed safe. The pictures and the videos from Philly right now are crazy. Scotty, you mentioned the weather. The weather was gorgeous today. And it was like 60 degrees when I woke up and not a cloud in the sky, but it it felt a little bittersweet because the only reason we had this is because there's a cold front that came in after this like terrible hurricane. And I've never seen the city of Philadelphia looking the way that it does right now. So thoughts and prayers to everybody in Louisiana, everyone who's dealt with Hurricane Ida, uh, please stay safe. We're thinking about you. There's a ton of great organizations you can donate to as well. Uh, I will attach one of them in the link when we send out the pod and just stay safe, stay dry. And uh, if, if this in any way helps your day feel a little bit brighter, then, you know, that's that's great, too. But please just uh, take care of yourselves out there because there's there's crazy stuff going on in the world that's not even pandemic related somehow. Uh, yeah. And we uh, we got a crew in Philly getting some stuff together. So if anyone's up there and needs any help, hit me up. Um, if you listen to this, you probably know how. Hit me up on Instagram, whatever we have. We have a crew getting together to help some rebuild stuff and get ready for um, when the water actually drains. And yeah. what we're gonna have to do so it was unbelievable 676 was a canal in philly which normally like an underground highway was became a canal in the middle of philadelphia it was surreal a lot of this stuff that we saw so oh, yeah. thoughts and prayers and and obviously anything you can donate send it out because there are people who definitely need it right now um all that being said try to move on from some of the heavy stuff and let's talk about football boys because there's a lot of stuff going on. And before we get to the college football stuff, there are some things in the NFL I want to hit with you guys both. Uh, first and foremost, since we last all talked, and even since Scotty and I talked, the New England Patriots made a pretty surprising decision. They cut quarterback Cam Newton. Now, there's been a lot of people talking about this. I know we're a little bit late to the game because it happened on Tuesday. But with final rosters being put down, Cam Newton, who had a – arguably statistically one of the worst years we've ever seen a quarterback have last year, despite, you know, having injuries and, and his shoulders, he had shoulder surgery later on. Um, He is now a free agent and can sign anywhere. I'm less intrigued with the Cam Newton thing. I mean, look, the guy's an MVP. The guy's been in the league for a long time. He's one of the most electric college football players of all time. Mm -hmm. This is the Mac Jones show in new England. 
So I'm curious to hear both of y'all's thoughts on what can we expect out of rookie Mac Jones? Because going into the draft, we talked a lot about he's the most pro-ready. He's the one who's probably going to have the least trouble assimilating to the NFL, but he also has a lower ceiling than maybe your obviously Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or those other guys that went ahead of them. So immediate reaction from when you heard the news, what did you think about the New England Patriots? And what do you think about Mac Jones taking over as maybe the next era, the ne- the second coming of Tom Brady? Well, that's exactly where my mind went. It went to the 2001 Patriots. It went to the 2003 Patriots. So uh, when Brady first came on and, and started over, well, when Drew Bledsoe got injured, um, is why Brady got a shot in 2001. But what happened during that year was it was defensive focused team and they got Hightower back. This defense is going to be good again. And I think the distribution of where they actually um, place the ball, right? Cause you can look at a passing chart and figure out, is it mid range? Is it far? Is it, is it a bunch of dump offs? Cam was running the ball a lot last year. So I think we're going to see a totally different style. Um, you got to remember they went heavy tight ends this off season, right? So I, I think it's setting up for a good, I guess, um, place for a rookie quarterback to step into. And maybe Bill Belichick's just smarter than us all and had this plan for the whole time. But I also think that he's a realist. And when it came down to competition time, he doesn't, he doesn't let the pass skew his, um, you know, his thoughts. And I'm pretty excited to see what happens here, but I, I, that's what I thought. I thought early two thousands Patriots, good defense, great special teams, limit the amount of turnovers and just see how, how many games you can stay until the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, let's see what the kid has. But until you get to, you know, those stages, um, you know, you, you really don't know. And I think that's what allows a rookie quarterback to develop is that good team around him. And a coach like Belichick doesn't hurt. No, it does not. Um, that's a great comp Vito. It really is. Uh, my mind went to, first of all, Mac Jones had, and I know it's the preseason and we shit on preseason games, but Mac Jones had the highest QBR through the preseason for a rookie quarterback ever, ever one point higher than Patrick Mahomes. That's the company you're in. So, um, on top of that, you get you talked about the tight ends veto. We got the, the wide receivers that they added, Nelson Aguilar, um, um, who's the the dude from uh, San Francisco that they added, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, yeah. Um, um, you've got Jacoby Myers there still. So like, you've got pieces around a rookie quarterback and a really really good offensive line to keep him fail safe and you have a great up-and-coming running back in Damian Harris. So uh, with Cam gone, I think some of those those fantasy shares, and if you haven't drafted yet, if you're listening, look out for Damian Harris in the mid-rounds. Um, but, um, but those are the things that make uh, a good quarterback uh, successful, and he's set up well. Um, plus, not to mention, he's got the greatest coach to ever have done this um, I really legitimately think, and we were talking about it on, on draft night. It was like, we were like, uh, yeah, the Mac to the Patriots at 15 is super chalky. And it was like, for good reason, <laughs> like, cause yeah. that's the guy that they wanted. That's the guy that they've been eyeing and he fits that system. And he, we, Belichick or Belichick will, will coach him up. And, and I just, ev- everything about it just makes sense to me. Uh, so the 2000, early 2000s Patriots, great cop. Um, I, I don't know what's next for Cam Newton, truthfully. I, I don't know. He's, he's got to be starting somewhere, right? I, I don't know. But 
um, maybe another topic for another day when he gets signed by the the Chargers as a backup or whatever. I don't know. Houston, somebody. Anyway, uh, I, I like the comp to to uh, the early 2000s Patriots, and I think Mac Jones is going to be a really su- successful quarterback in the NFL. I love the comp, Vito, because I think even if you just – right, because there's, there's statistical comps, there's, like, visual comps, but then there's also, like, plot line comps. But you think about, like, each step along the way, like kind of how – you know, go from Bledsoe, great defense, because that New England defense is going to be phenomenal this year. We still don't know whether or not we're going to see Stephon. Yeah, he's we on the, if we're going to see he's on the pup Gimel, list, yeah. which gives him six weeks before he would he would actually come back. Not six games. That is a common misconception. It's six weeks. So we could see Stephon Gilmore as early as six weeks, assuming you know everything worked out perfectly. So I, I do love the comp. I'm very intrigued to see what, what happens with Mac Jones. I mean, I don't think the the quarterback rating number you talked about, Scotty, should be ignored. I don't think it's something that we should completely discount just because it was preseason. But I'm also not going to put too much weight into it either. And I, I look at the style of offense that they have run for 20 years in New England and that Josh McDaniels has more or less perfected. And last year was the first time that they didn't run that offense. And it looked clunky. It looked like a, almost like a first-year offensive coordinator or a first-year head coach trying to figure out what they were going to do. And this is going to allow them to kind of go back to what they are accustomed to doing, back to basics, back to what they are used to with Tom Brady. The difference is, what is Mac Jones at this point? Uh, we've seen some incredible throws from Mac Jones. I'll, I'll – even go to say he is Brady-esque in his makeup. Incredible pocket mobility. Uh, phenomenal feel while navigating the pocket. The touch on throws, the layering of the ball. He never had the biggest arm, but neither did Brady. But he's got enough oh, of an arm to, yeah. to get it into to small spaces if he needs to. Those New England teams didn't have any skill guys that made you drop your jaw. I mean, we, we're talking about a, a team that in 2004 had Deion Branch as the Super Bowl MVP. You know, yeah. think about the careers and the amount of money that Tom Brady has made other guys just because of how good Tom Brady is. So to put all of those expectations on Mac Jones would be completely unfair and I also think unrealistic. But remember how the Patriots won those Super Bowls in the early 2000s. They were they weren't shootouts, right? This, that no, wasn't all by a field goal. It was yeah. all a field goal and it was all under 30 points. So with this defense, with Mac Jones, I really think that they can be a competitive team this year because their defense is going to be there. They have an awesome backfield. You talked, you touched on Damian Harris, but Ram- uh, Ramondre Stevenson, the running back out of Oklahoma has looked fantastic in the preseason. And that is one of the positions that you can actually gain something from while evaluating in the preseason. You can actually see how a running back looks like Najee Harris. Mm-hmm. Watching Najee Harris in the preseason, you know immediately. I watched his first preseason game was against the Eagles. You knew right away, like, oh, yeah, this dude's going to be good. Like, this dude's going to – he can hang in the NFL. And you've seen it on the opposite side, too. And Ramon J. Stevenson looks like a guy who's going to be able to hang, and, and they still have James White there which is amazing. I feel like he's been a Patriot forever, you know, because, I mean, he has been his whole career, but I feel like he's been there for over a decade, despite, I think this is like his seventh NFL season. I'm excited to see what we get out of Mac Jones. Uh, I, I think all in all, it, does it, let me put it this way to you guys. Does it change the win total 
to what, what we talked about a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Patriots. Yeah, big time. Um, up or down? Look, you look, you look up. You look at their schedule. Their, their first nine games are really favorable with Mac Jones as your quarterback. Dolphins at home, at the Jets, uh, the Saints, who I think they could probably catch off guard. Uh, Saints on a, or Patriots playing at home. Then you got the Buccaneers. That's probably an, an L. Then Houston, Dallas, Jets again, Chargers, and Panthers are your first nine games. Those are winnable. You should come out with with a, an above five hundred record there. Um, and and now you're talking. Now you're talking playoffs because then you got Browns and and Falcons right after that before you get into the the meat and bones of your schedule, which is tenacious on the back end, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I agree I, with that. There, I think Scott. they got a legit shot. I, I think, I think, in my opinion, the strengths and weaknesses vary. I do think that if you limit the turnovers, which was a um, Cam definitely had some of those for sure, especially untimely. But I think if you can at least handle that. But the thing is, he's still a rookie. He's still a rookie. Like I, I just, I, it's so hard for me to despair like or to take away the um, experience that Cam Newton, a, a guy who's played in a Super Bowl, is one MVP has at least in the experience section versus Mac Jones. And, and, you know, hopefully I'm proven wrong. Cause I do want him and I want this team to do well. I think the NFL is better when at least they're competitive, but there were seven and nine last year. I forget even what I put them at probably something around that. And I, I think they're probably right there again. Like, I don't know if this really changes it, but I think the visual like product to Jeff's point, we're going to see a much more typical Josh McDaniels offense this year. And I think that should be very exciting for Patriots fans to hear. Yeah, and we had their over-under uh, or their projected win total at nine. We had them nine and eight uh, when we – well, at least that's what I had them at. And, and right. I, to me, I don't think it changes it much because I think inevitably, even if they didn't cut Cam Newton, I think by week four or week five, we would have seen Mac Jones in anyway. And I think most likely Cam Newton probably goes at least 500 in those first couple games because it is Bill Belichick, it is the Patriots, and they are going to win a couple of those games anyway. So I think nine and eight is still a relatively decent mark for them. However, I think your ceiling goes up with Mac Jones. So I think if Cam Newton's your starter for 17 games, I think their ceiling is maybe 10 wins. With Mac Jones, I think their ceiling could be up to 12. I, w- I would not be shocked if the Patriots go 12 and five with Mac Jones starting all 17 games. And this is another example of Bill Belichick being cutthroat Bill Belichick being like, I, you know, and I also think, you know, he and Cam, you know, you always talk about like odd couples in life. Mm-hmm. They, they are like legitimately close. Like every report out of people is like Cam Newton and Bill Belichick. Bill loves Cam. Cam loves Bill. And I think there was a certain element of, look, you're not going to get playing time here. I want to give you a so chance we'll, to go. I'll see do you a favor. Else. Yeah. And, yeah. Maybe, and maybe not even do you a favor, but more in just, because, like, if you're talking about a teammate perspective, I don't know if you guys saw the video of Cam Newton, like, hunting Mac Jones down the sideline after he'd thrown a touchdown in the, the high five yeah. for the high five. <laughs> it was incredible. He's, like, literally – he followed him, like, 25 yards down, like, just holding his hand up, like, waiting for the high five until he finally was able to catch up to Mac Jones and get the high five F from him. It, so I, I do think there's a certain level of if the Patriots wanted to have Cam Newton be there – they probably did want him there as a backup because I'd rather have him than Jarrett Stidham or Brian Hoyer. Yeah. But with Cam, 
I do think there was a respect between he and Bill, despite being two very different people. And I think that showed in this decision. I, I still would have their win total at nine. I still think nine and eight. But I do think the ceiling, if Mac Jones, who is an ex, he's an older quarterback, you know, this isn't a guy who was, you know, red, you know, started as a true freshman. And then by the time he's 21 years old is like Trey Lance, who's not even 21 yet, you know, like a Trey Lance, he's young. Mac Jones is, I think, 22. So which isn't a whole lot older, but he went up against LSU defenses. He went up against Derek Stingley, you know, junior who cornerback out of LSU, who's probably going to be a top five draft pick in this upcoming draft. So he's gone up against legit NFL quality guys. And he wasn't practice too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, at the end of the day, I've said it a million times. I don't think, I, I don't think any of us can second guess the decisions of guys who are head coaches in the NFL because they're head coaches for a reason, at least in terms of saying we don't yeah. know more than them, but right. I'm sure as shit not going to know more than Bill Belichick. <laughs> no, but my question is to you before we wrap up on this one, <clears throat> their ceiling improves or is higher. Does their, does their floor drop as well? No, I don't raise or what I don't, do you think it stays the same? I don't same? think so. I, Cause I think Cam at this stage of his career is just not the same, just not the same guy where, you know, there are going to be bad Cam games, you know, and yeah. unfortunately he's not the athlete he once was where his pure dominance physically would be enough to win you some of those games and, and, and kind of get you there. He's just not that guy anymore. And Mac Jones He's going to have some rookie games, and I think they kind of even out. So I think the floor stays relatively the same, but I think there's a chance that you catch lightning in a bottle with with this this year with Mac Jones as a rookie, meaning, right, because he's obviously going to have a whole long career ahead of him. And I think we see a lot of stuff. And I'll, I'll throw this the very last thing here before we move on to the next part. Well, two things. Number one, I do think the COVID and the vaccination thing played a role. There's a lot of people who don't think it played a role. I absolutely think it did. And Bill Belichick would never admit it publicly, but Mac Jones doesn't become the starter if Cam Newton doesn't have to sit out those five days because of the COVID deal during training camp. The other aspect of this that I, 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 would, I would throw out there as well is that Mac Jones is a guy who has the experience in learning and understanding offenses that other quarterbacks who are rookies don't. I'll bring up the thing I brought up during the draft process, which is Steve Sarkeesian, the new head coach of Texas with the OC at, at Alabama, saying out of every quarterback he's ever worked with, he's never met a college-level quarterback who could take on as much information as Mac Jones could. His ability to learn offenses and his processing speed is on another level, was on another level from college quarterbacks, and that will help him tremendously as he works his way into the NFL. Um, Next thing I want to bring up here as we are talking about vaccinations there, and I kind of brought up vaccinations with the Cam Newton thing. We talked about last pod, Carson Wentz being a close contact and missing two days of camp. He doubled down on his stance on the vaccine today, saying that he is not going to get the vaccine. It's a personal choice, but he did say it's a fluid situation and that they're monitoring every possible outcome and everything. But also today, the Bucks announced that they reached a hundred. They had reached a hundred percent vaccination status on the team. I'm not going to go political here. I'm not going to go get the vaccine. Don't get the vaccine. I'm talking strictly on the football field. This is going to be something that affects teams' wins and losses. There will be games 
where players get that get COVID or test positive or a close contact who are unvaccinated, who are going to miss substantial time. If you test pos- positive for COVID and you are unvaccinated, it is a five day wait before you can even come back. And that's assuming that the next day when they test you again, that you test negative. Right. So if, if Cole Beasley, if Carson Wentz, if Ryan Tannehill, if any of these people who are actually, I don't know if Tannehill is unvaccinated or not. So that's unfair of me to say, but he's just currently out with COVID. If any of these people do test positive who are unvaccinated, it will derail teams. And I think the fact that the Bucks reached 100% is actually a, a significant benefit when it comes to how the rest of the season will play out. Hell yeah, man. I mean, that's it's huge because you're all these things that other teams have to worry about. And, and just in general, I mean, coaches do a good job. Focus on what you can control, all that stuff. But this is something you can control. You might as well fucking do it. Like, I don't know if I'm a team and the Bucks are probably, you know, one of the first ones to do it because they're like, we're going for the repeat, baby. We're going back. If you don't think Brady was in there saying every one of you guys better get vaccinated because we're not losing a game because of a goddamn COVID exposure or someone has it and the rest of us have to sit out. because we're Like, I guarantee you that team came together because their minds on a championship and they're like, we can control this. Let's do it. Let's knock it out of the park and just let's remove it from all of our equations that we have to worry about, you know? And I, I hope more teams do do like do this because as a fan, I also don't want to worry about any of those things. I want to see football, damn it. The whole fucking season, all 17 games, 18 weeks. And I really hope that more teams take this, this route that the, the bucks have. You know, and there's a few holdouts on a couple teams, but you're right. It's going to play itself out on the field eventually. We saw last year when the whole Browns wide receiver room was decimated and, you know, Baker's thrown his tight end every other play this season, the whole game would be canceled. Right. I think that's the rule. So like now we're talking a whole different situation. So you didn't have a a quarterback for a while. You did not have a quarterback for one game on the Broncos. Because who was was uh, Hinton? What was his name? Yeah, dude, our, our wide receiver. Um, the practice squad wide receiver who had played like half a season as a quarterback. I think it was at Colorado. It was something. It, it was like Darnell yeah. Hinton. Oh, this is going to drive me nuts. I'm so pissed. I don't even remember because I honestly should get his jersey. Um, because I was so proud that like we just went out there and played. I don't know if you guys remember that. But you're, you're right. Like teams will have to totally forfeit games. And that would be a shame for a number of reasons for those cities uh, with the home game for us fantasy team owners, for us degenerate gamblers, for, you know, just a whole slew of people out there, let alone the players themselves. So, um, yeah, it's I, I think Kendall right, Hinton, Jeff, I think by the way. Play itself out. I'm sorry? It's K- Kendall Hinton was the Kendall, quarterback. Right. Pick. But I, threw, I think – What, three passes? <laughs> it was a wild game. And you know what's interesting? In the – so there was an article when and, – and this is something I do want to get to right after this veto because I need to get your thoughts on it. But when they announced that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be this the starting quarterback, I think they said it was the the 11th. Is that right? The 11th different starting quarterback since Peyton Manning. Um, wow, is it that? Wow. I mean, just going through, we've had we've had like Trevor Simeon for a little while. We had Paxton Lynch, Osweiler, Simeon, Lynch. Uh, we had Case Keenum come in. Um, yeah, we've had a lot. We've so it's, it looks like it's going to be it's nine. I'll say since Peyton, you had Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, 
snuck a start yeah. in there. He did. And uh oh, and one more, Brett Ripian, too. Yep. So you had 10 or nine since then. And to make the 10th, technically Kendall Hinton wasn't the starting quarterback that day. Do you know who was Ross like written down on the depth chart as a starting quarterback? I believe Royce Freeman. Philip Lindsay. Ah, oh, damn. So you were on the, I mean, you were, yeah, as, as yeah they were the two running backs close. there. Um, but I think you're exactly right though, Vito, because this, this whole deal is go, like, I'm very curious to look back on this at the end of the season and look at the teams that COVID affected and how it could play a role because just looking at teams like Buffalo, Isaiah McKenzie went and finally got, you know, got the vaccine. I don't believe uh, Cole Beasley. What a joke vaccine. that was. Yeah. And, and we, we ranted about that <laughs> on the last pot. Uh, then you have a team like the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson has tested positive twice already and still is unvaccinated. And I'm not saying he's going to get a third time. It seems like it would be pretty unlikely, but it's also not impossible. He's gotten it twice, so he can definitely get it a third time. And then you look at a team like Indianapolis and Carson Wentz and a team with whose roster should be competitive, but their starting center was a close contact. And then in turn, because of that, then you get Carson Wentz and one of the other offensive linemen. So if people aren't getting vaccinated, which again, if that's your choice, that's your choice. And you're putting your personal choice ahead of the team. That's fine. I, I understand it. I disagree with you, but I get it. You are going to set your team up to potentially, I'm not going to say for sure, but, but to potentially get screwed. Like imagine if, if the Colts miss the playoff by a game and Carson Wentz misses a week and they have to throw out Sam Ellinger or Jacob Eason to be the starting quarterback because he tested positive without being vaccinated. Whereas if you do, you know, have a close contact or you do test positive and you're vaccinated, it's only a two day wait before you could potentially come back again. And Vito, I remember you and I talking about this when it first came down, but it's going to affect teams. Go ahead, Scott. The thing that annoys me is a quote that, that Cole Beasley had about the, the protocols Hmm. that he's, and he said, make it make sense. You know, what makes sense is getting your ass on the field all 17 weeks of the season. So how about you do whatever you need to do to make that happen so your team can win because your team is a better team when you're out on the field. How about that? Yeah. I, and look, I'm I'm with you in a lot of regards on that. It's a double-edged sword, right? Because if a kid if a player has a kid and misses a game, we don't fault that person. We say, "No, you, you should be with your family. That's a personal, that's a life thing you can't miss. Go do that." You know, if someone Very has a family no, I understand. That's what I'm getting to, Scott. Is what I'm saying is that people who are being unvaxxed, who are unvaccinated in the NFL are using that same logic, which is that this is a personal thing and I'm doing it. I don't see the two as the same, but there are players who do see the two as the same and will continue to use that as the rationale for why they won't get it. And it might end up costing their team a win or a loss and, or it might end up infecting other people. And look, that's their prerogative. That's their decision. But it doesn't make sense to me. Probably doesn't make sense to you guys. But that is the reality of what this season is going to be. And the NFL is not going to risk things like Kendall Hinton being your starting quarterback uh, going into, what, week 10 or whatever that was. Speaking of Broncos quarterbacks, I did allude to it there. Vito, we have not talked since the Broncos Uh-oh. named Teddy Bridgewater the starting <laughs> quarterback. So I want to give you the, the floor, my friend. How are you feeling? And has your bullish prediction? Remember, we had bets on this about the Denver Broncos winning double digit wins. 
has Golf, has I your believe. faith has your faith in that bet declined in any way? A little bit, um, man. I mean, I listen. I believe Teddy Bridgewater defense. is a good dude, <laughs> and I'm very very happy that he is like getting his shot. I wish. Um, I was so excited about Drew Locke because I thought after all these seasons and we, I've seen him personally progress, he's made bad decisions, but he's not a bad thrower. And I think that's what's frustrating is that I think in my mind, he's the better thrower of the two. I think a lot of people see that. And it's definitely just, more arm talent. Yeah. And, and even, even more mobile. It's certainly you know, like more aggressive just, too. Yeah. And all of those things. So I think he's more exciting to watch, but it's just really frustrating when like, the guy who I thought, man, if you just make a couple steps this offseason, I thought he made him even last year. Just we had a lot of injuries. And I was like, man, we're gonna we're gonna have a shot next year to really go off. You know, we have all these weapons, just get him the ball. And maybe that's the point. Maybe the point was like, we don't need to try and like, you know, thread it down a needle in between a safety and a corner on, on an outside, like, you know, go route or on a post. Why don't we get Teddy Bridgewater in and he's just gonna get to our playmakers and make, make the smart happen. throw to the playmaker? Yeah. Well, not only smartly, I mean, I saw him ball out. Trust me, he's made some great throws this preseason. But I, I was just very behind my guy, the guy we drafted. You know, I was very excited about that. And clearly, um, you know, smarter people than I who are involved day to day have gone a different direction. Now, it's, uh, that's I'll an Elway decision. No, I think Elway, uh, this is our new GM. And, and that's, that's good. That's why we brought him in, because we needed to, you know, have somebody else make these decisions. Um but I do, I will say this, I'm a little less bullish on the Broncos. I do still think we get double digit wins. Our team's good enough. The quarterback was not one of our top 10 strongest positions on our team. Um, but it is probably the most important that we all know. So uh, I will say, you know, Bridgewater, I think it, it, it does this it, it, and no one can see what I'm doing with my hands on the radio, but I'm, I, the ceiling goes lower and the floor raises up. And I think that's what happens um, with our overall team. But, you know, am I excited? Hell yeah, I got a quarterback and, and you got to be optimistic. You haven't even played a game yet. Do I think we'll see Drew Locke at some point this season? Yeah, I do. I really do. Whether it's an injury or something else happens, I don't know. But, like, I would rather still have both of these guys for this season and figure out what to do afterwards. Because I've already heard people like, oh, you can get rid of them. There might be another team. Like, slow your roll. Having two quarterbacks that are – that competed against each other in preseason, it's usually a good idea to hang on to them both because the second you get rid of one is when the other gets injured or something like that. So, yeah, I, to to all of those points, like Teddy Br Bridgewater is a good guy to have around, and and I think with the with the weapons that you have, he'll make he'll make the prudent choices as far as as progressing that offense. It does seem a little bit like two steps forward and three steps back for a guy like, like Drew Locke. Cause you're right. Vito. for all the, the, the points that you hit is like, he's making progression. Let's just keep going with that progression instead of like putting him on the bench where he's not going to be making progression in live reps. Um, I'm, I'm a big questioner of GMs. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I need to take a step back and, know what I don't know and, and just let them do their thing. So, you know, I mean, good for your, for your team. That, that is an excellent point about the, the, uh, the median though, the, the floor is higher, but the ceiling is lower uh, for the Broncos, I think. And, and I think it's a step in the right direction, but I'd like to see that step go with Drew Locke instead of uh, 
instead of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and, and just FYI, our, our new manager is a our new GM. Sorry, is George Patton. He's the guy. George he was Patton, a player. Yeah. I think it was like vice president player personnel. He's also assistant GM for the Vikings for a while since like I think he's held roles with them since 2007. So he's seen everything from Adrian Peterson to like what they went through with Cousins and everything. So it's you know he's brought in some good players. He's done a pretty good job with that team in terms of talent. So, uh, but then again, we have two. That's why I'm like I, I don't know. It's so, it's so hard. Let me let me help you out a little bit, Vito. Thank you. All right, I let, need it. let me let me paint you a picture. I'm gonna Bob Ross the, the shit out of this. All right. Oh, By the way, well, there's happy a there, blue. Some, there's a, a mountain in there. There's a Bob Ross documentary on Netflix that is phenomenal. The drama in in the life of Bob Ross, unbelievable. Drama. Dude, it's not just paintings and squirrels. Dude, Dude I, the, I saw the preview for this, or at least like that it was on Netflix. We yeah, got to watch that as a the, squad. Yeah, I, I've already, I've, I watched it the other night. You both will watch it. We'll, how about this on our by our next pod? Both of you guys watch it by our next pod, and that'll be our our random life shit conversation oh, at, yeah. the end, at the end of the pod because it is it is remarkable. Like the the drama that existed behind the scenes of Bob Ross, the amount of money, everything. <laughs> It is, it blow, it blew my mind. It was honestly, it was so good. If that documentary had come out in the beginning of the pandemic, like Tiger King had, every single podcast, radio show, TV would show would have been talking about. It. Like, I'm, I, it was legitimately incredible. But I'm going to Bob Ross this for you and just going to paint a couple of happy trees here. All right. Some happy accidents. Okay. Right now, you're looking at this as Drew Locke has higher floor you know, bigger arm, first round draft pick talent, all this stuff. I get it. Drew Locke probably does have a slightly higher ceiling, but I don't think it's by that much. Teddy Bridgewater is still a really, really good quarterback. He's not just serviceable. If you were going to say, hey, you can have Teddy Bridgewater or Kirk Cousins, I would rather have Teddy Bridgewater. All right. Let, wow. me, throw out, let me throw out some numbers for you right not now. In, not in fantasy. Finished fifth. Incompletion percentage last year at just about 69%. He was second only to Aaron Rodgers on short throw completion percentage. He had completed on passes fewer than 10 yards, 82.7%. All right, Rodgers was at 85.4. He's shorter. When you look at how this offense is constructed, they have two really solid running backs. Javante Williams, the rookie out of UNC, and Melvin Gordon, who is still a very productive running back. Like, he absolutely proved naysayers like myself wrong last year. You're still going to get stuff out of him, especially in a split backfield. Mm -hmm. Look at the pass catchers that he has, okay? Cortland Sutton, possession receiver with big playability. Tim Patrick, 74 targets last year, zero drops. Consistency, pass catching. Jerry Judy. Elite level speed, elite level upside, one of the best route runners coming out of college that I've ever seen. And then an absolute, absolute burner in KJ Hamler and a young potential top five tight end if he ever puts it together and no offense. Decent offensive line. All right. All of that accumulated. And especially when you look at last year, he's in a team on a team in Carolina that didn't have Christian McCaffrey. So, right, you had run, you had Mike Davis, who doesn't catch the ball in the backfield, so he could run the ball. Robbie Anderson had 91 catches last year and over 1,000 yards receiving. Yes, Joe Brady plays a part in that orchestrating the offense, but someone has to get him the ball. 
when you think about, and I'll, I'll have this play burned in my memory forever, and I know both of you will have this. K.J. Hamler, I forget who they were playing at Penn State, took a 90-yard quick slant to the house. It was Ohio State. I was going to say Ohio State, but I was sure it was Ohio State or Michigan. Because especially because Ohio State gets great recruits. So they're always like, oh, Mm -hmm. you can't beat us on speed and strength. And KJ was just like, fuck off. And he just took it to the house. It was like, it was a five yard slant from Trace McSorley that he took to the house, untouched, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have that kind of upside in Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. You have two very short handed wide receivers in Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. You have a tight end option who, with all the all that receiving talent, the throws aren't going to be overly difficult, and it's a Vic Fangio-led team that's going to be based out of their defense, which is still going to be a top-10 defense this year. And you're getting Von Miller back. Yeah, they are. All right? So as much as, yes, Drew Locke might have higher upside, when it comes to your win total as a team, I don't think there's any – question that teddy bridgewater is the guy who's going to have a higher ceiling for the broncos because he's not going to make the mistakes that drew lock will make and yes he may not be the quarterback of the future and maybe teddy bridgewater is just a bridge quarterback no pun intended to aaron <laughs> Rodgers. over water yeah bridge so. bridge over troubled water i think teddy bridgewater is going to end up being the correct decision i think they made the right call and i think you should be excited about this veto because i think we have this idea that Teddy Bridgewater is just a, you know, a, a game managing type of quarterback and journeyman. I don't think that's the case. He's a guy who had incredibly unfortunate luck with that knee injury a couple of years ago where he just shredded everything in his knee. He had incredibly bad luck with the Christian McCaffrey thing last year. And if you look at his stats in the games when Christian McCaffrey was playing, I still think he has the chance to be a top half quarterback in the NFL. So get excited. Because we've seen in the past, if you have a good defense, you have good skill guys and a good offensive line, all of which Denver has, though the O-line isn't elite, you don't need your quarterback to be a top five quarterback. You just need to be like a top 12 to 13 quarterback, and I think Bridgewater can do that. So That's a good point because I, what, what Locke has, and I was just looking up some stats, he was top 10 in terms of his throw rate, in terms of like third down. Like he would actually take the chance, but he was bottom 10 in turnover play, like turnover worthy play rate, which is what PFF will track in terms of like, you know, what, what he contributed to the play. And, and I think the point there is that exactly what you said, this defense, this team's good enough. Just don't, just don't fuck it up. And like, I think that's where we're just realizing like, you know what, maybe instead of 12 wins, we're going to get fucking 13 with Teddy Bridgewater as our quarterback. So you guys better watch out. You might owe me even more money. Now I'm even <laughs> uh, glasses and half full. It's overflowing. Because Bridgewater's taking us to the playoffs. I'm, I'm Your cup too runneth I'm, over with Bridgewater. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm too concerned with your happiness, Vito, that I forgot that I was arguing on the opposite side of the bet that I made. I still don't think they're going to get to double-digit <laughs> wins, but I want, him, I want my boy to be happy. I want, my, I want my boy to be sane. You deserve a good one. And I'll throw this out there, too. If you watched any of the Panthers games last year, they were much friskier and a much tougher out than their record you know, would lead on. I think they went, what, 4-11-1 last year. They're going to be better than that. And and Teddy Bridgewater is better than what we saw. So be positive, be hopeful. Carolina was looking for long-term stuff, but the Broncos have a roster that can win now. So there you go. All right, that's uh, that's going to put a wrap on our NFL stuff. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk college football. College football week one is here. 
the first two weeks of the college football season might be the best first two weeks I've ever seen when it comes to matchups, when it comes to the way that the schedules and all worked out. The Big Ten doing conference games week one. We saw it last week with that Nebraska-Illinois game. As ugly as that game was, it was entertaining. And technically, by the time you're listening to this, Ohio State-Minnesota will have played. But we are going to get to watch some college football tonight. And hopefully everyone listening uh, will as well. So we'll be right back, break down week one. And we're going to give you our picks against the spread for just about 10 games or so. So staying back, stand tight, and we'll be right back. Week one is here. College football is fully back. We got a little sampling last week. We had that ugly game, but entertaining game between Nebraska and Illinois. And now this is the this is the whole enchilada. We got a little we got a little nip, got a little taste, and now we're getting ready for the whole damn thing. Scotty and I did our Big Ten preview on Tuesday's pod, and I would be remiss, Vito, if I didn't give you a chance to 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 get your your take on maybe the Big Ten, but primarily on your Penn State Nittany lines. And what I told Scott was I said, Scott, I always tell you, man, you know, let's 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 try to be unbiased. Let's take the rose-colored glasses off. I had to do it again this week when we were debating about Trace McSorley actually being a, a quality backup in the NFL. And uh and he told me that uh don't he even was. Jeff. Don't even and he's he's not that's why Cam Newton's gonna end up signing there as backup. But Vito I told Scotty that I want him to put on not just one pair, two pairs of rose-colored glasses. I want the full fan. You're talking to your Penn State buddy. Like, dude, I don't know, man. If it breaks this way, it breaks that way, we could be in the playoff. I want to hear that side of Vito come out right now. And if you want to be objective, that's cool too. But I want to hear your thoughts on Penn State heading into 2021. I'll, I'll take both because I got to say, I usually pride myself on being pretty objective even when it comes to Penn State, which not a lot of people who knew me in college would think would ever happen. Can I, um, first of all, say rose-colored glasses are red and we're not fans of red at Penn State. So there you go. There's one Your, your navy right, blue-colored glasses. There go. I'll throw my state shades and get it going. Um, so From a clan of hands. Yeah, there we go. Um, here's the thing with the Penn State. It always comes down to how a quarterback is going to play or an offense is going to run. And I am so concerned. Like, I, I got to say, but if everything breaks your way, we have the athletes, we have the recruits. You got to look at what we've done to build up the program and the speed and the strength and conditioning and even the defense. Like, I, I'm excited about the skill players on offense and defense. So what this really comes down to for me is can you put it together in the games where it counts? We got Wisconsin this week. It's going to be a huge test. I'm looking at a lot of these other ones. We have some cupcakes early. Auburn's going through a transition year. We'll see how that goes, right? I was always tough at home. We're going to play them away. Then we play at Ohio State. We get Michigan at home, and we're away at Michigan State. Michigan State always kind of gives us some grief. That's in a typical year. Last year was one of the – it was the worst year I've seen us play because I really started watching in, like, 2005. Like, I went to some games before that and had seen them play. I didn't yeah. follow Penn State football until then. So, yeah, it was the worst year I've seen us have since, yeah, 2005. And, and like, for me, it was a weird moment because it was COVID and everything, and it was like, maybe that's the reason. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. I gave the whole year a pass. So I'm expecting us to come out here and either slam it up and go off, right? And either have a, a nine-win season 
10 wins. Like I, I'm that's the rose colored glasses on or the state shades on is that we get 10 the rose bold colored glasses. There we go. And, and maybe, maybe we, you know, we have a run at least on the East and, and maybe lose to Ohio state. Um, I'd actually rather beat them and lose to two other teams and still let them go, but I'd rather have the win. Like we had that one year. Uh, but either way, yeah, there's the chance for that, especially if we pull it together, don't have late turnovers and actually push when we're supposed to as a coaching staff. And by that, I mean, actually, you know, go for it in certain situations where it's aggressive, call pass plays on fourth down. I don't know. And maybe run some slants. I would, if I saw more than four slant routes last year, I was fucking ajubulated. I don't even know that's a word. I was so excited, dude. It was so bad last year. Like we would have awesome man-to-man on us and we would just be like, no, we got to run. We got to run a five-step drop route here. You know what I mean? And it's like, what are we doing? Just get it quick and get it out. And, and that's what I want to see out of this offense. Now, what do I think we're going to see? Um, you know, I got to say, I'm, I'm a little more, I, I would say eight wins is probably like a more realistic look at our schedule. Um, I still think that's ranked by the end of the year, by the way. And I think uh, that's that's a pretty solid season. Now I'm probably being overly conservative because I also don't want to get my hopes up. That's the kind of fan I am. Yeah. I will don't bet against my up. team. Just it's an emotional so. hedge. It's an emotional yeah, hedge. It, it's, it's exactly what it is. And I have to after last year, man. I really do. I have to. We've had it too good at Penn State for a while. And I was weird to say because like Ohio State fans have no idea what we're talking about uh, or Bama or Clemson. But like. Yeah, it's just it's just been it's been pretty solid, and I just want to hedge my emotional bet, like you're saying. It's so funny, man. You basically just all encompassing did what Scotty and I took like 20 minutes to do into like four minutes. <laughs> because I I said like your your fan side was very in line with what Scotty said, and then your objective side was exactly what I said. My I said eight and four. Because they have a they have a really hard schedule. They have a yeah. very hard schedule, and I, I don't think you're I don't think you're too far off. I, I think I think your your approach on it is makes sense as a fan. I I'm very similar in the teams I root for. I have the fan side of me that wants to think that Jalen Hurts is going to be the next Russell Wilson, and then I have the objective side of me that says, all right, it's probably not actually going to be that way. And I think that's the way you kind of have to look at it because. You, you need some, like, there's a, there's a great line at the end of season one in Ted Lasso. It's like, I'm pretty sure that the episode is called this, but it's the hope that kills you, right? It's, yeah. it's the hope that kills you. It's, it's putting your hope up every single, and, and your belief, and you're like, Where, this is going to be our year. That's what kills you. And the Eagles winning the Super Bowl that whole season was like very similar. You know, anyone who watched that Super Bowl with me will tell you I was I was a horrible person to watch that Super Bowl. <laughs> nobody would. Nobody don't care if I you're an Eagles fan that. or not. There was a I was in Virginia at the time. There was one other Eagles fan there. And at one point he just looked over at me and said, can you shut up? He was like, can you stop? You're being so negative this entire game. And you have to be that way as a fan, because if you have too much hope and you actually the second you allow yourself it to believe you it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it, you're, you're such a it's like someone who goes through a lot of breakups like you just you're vulnerable you know and then you you're, you become more and more sheltered as you get older uh but it's just Jeff, funny i do you this every season with penn state football i do it every season that's such a great call because my entire existence in the fall hinges around that particular schedule well it doesn't yeah it doesn't hinge around your fantasy team we know that 
Yeah, Ooh. that's for sure. Shots fired. Shout, shout out Scott Hansen. <laughs> but like to me, I put so much weight on on that. And and for me to to think about what like separate the uh the the fandom from the from the reality is is just it sucks. <laughs> especially it's as like a you have two existence like it's like, years. Yeah. it's like jekyll and hyde or it's like the angel and the devil on your shoulder every week yeah. you're like am i am i gonna be the the one who's got all the faith in it or am i gonna be the one that tells you no dude they're not gonna win they're gonna find a way to blow this you know tom brady's gonna complete that hail mary in the last second of the game your heart's gonna be broken you're never gonna want to watch football again for the rest of your life but every once in a while the pass falls in the in the back of the end zone and your team wins the title so maybe this i always is- ask this question too is like is is what would you give up and this question is more directed at Vito because i know you wouldn't give up a, a, a bag of shit for a penn state national championship but <laughs> what would you give up to watch penn state win a national championship and play i'd give i give at least i give a year off my life wow want to talk real yeah like at the end, like you know I would what I mean? too. Like, for, I would have too for yeah. the Eagles Super Bowl. Yeah, I would have said the same yeah. thing. Yeah, like that's that's without a doubt worth yeah. a year. And and like that was like with that that was like a very conservative approach. Like if you if you said five, I would think about it. Like that's how I don't know, man. Like I fucking want one so bad. <laughs> yeah, you said five years <laughs> off your life, but that's not knowing when you're gonna hey. die. So like, what if you died at fifty and then? You said, all right, took five. You make the deal with the devil. Bob Penn State National Championship. So, man, yeah, 45 with a, a title versus 50 without one. I mean, uh, I guess, right. I guess that's Maybe. a good point. No, it's a good point because if, if the end of the line is still 50 versus 45, but you at least get the national title in there, it's at least a conversation. It's a, it's a discussion, right? And it's, it's not an 80 versus 75 discussion. It's 10% off of your life. Yeah, if it's if it's ninety three versus eighty eight, I think it's a lot easier to talk oh, yeah. about. Oh yeah, because we I've noticed we always just like push things down the line as humans, yeah. right? It's like oh, yeah, it's down there. And then all of a sudden you're like me and I got friends turning thirty, and you're like, what the what the fuck just happened this last decade? Like, anyway. Well, the journey starts on Saturday for your boys, and we will start with the Penn State and Wisconsin matchup. But before we get into that, there is one other piece of college football news. We've been talking about, and I'm so sick of talking about everything other than the game. So this is hopefully the last time we have to talk about it for a while now that games are actually starting. But the Big 12, there was a report that came out from The Athletic, Max Olson today, that said that The Athletic has, or that The Big 12 has basically decided that they want to add four teams. So it seems as though that's going to be the route that The Big 12 goes. They're going to try to stay together. They're going to try to add four new teams. The four teams that are currently the front runners, not solidified, still early in the process, but that are currently the front runners are Cincinnati, UCF, Boise, uh, sorry, not Boise State, BYU, and Houston. Those are the four teams UCF, Hmm. Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston. I think it makes a ton of sense if they could actually pull it off. Uh, The Houston market, fourth largest market in the country would be a huge addition and would help, you know, Dana Holgerson, the head coach there was the former head coach of uh, West Virginia has experience in the big 12. I think it'd be great. So quickly, cause I don't want to spend too much time on this. Cause we've spent far too much time talking about it. 
What's your reaction to that? Do you think those are the four best team or would a Boise or one of those other teams maybe be more appealing than one of the four that seems to be the front runners as of now? I think it makes sense from a TV like deal perspective where you get Utah, Ohio, Florida. Um, also, I, I do actually like those teams. Like I think they're all on the verge, right. Of being good. So, um, or they have been good in their respective conferences. And so that I actually really like that. Yeah. The Boise thing is interesting. Um, particularly for geography. Um, and then, you know, the fact that they've also been on the verge and competitive as well. So, um, I, I don't know. Houston's building something. I think they've been competitive the last three years in the, in a, in a good power five conference, which we touched on last week, Jeff. Um, and I don't know. I like, to me, it would make more sense for those teams, not Texas and Oklahoma and the big 12 to branch out. Um, just because financially and, you could probably make more money off of being the like the the old guard of your conference against the new guard, the new four teams. Uh, it's like it's like when you bring in, in in a fantasy league, right? You get you got like four new spots, and you bring in four new teams, but the guys you've been competing with have been in the league for for seven eight years um, or more, and and it's like. Uh, Oh wow! This this new guy's come in and uh, and has won uh, third, second, first place. Shout out DJ! Um, and it's like, whoa! Where did where did that guy come from? And um, so for that to to emerge and then flip kind of college football on its head because now it's still a power five if if you're the Big Twelve and you're adding those four teams, um, becomes a little more difficult to leave a Cincinnati or a UCF out of the, uh, of the conversation uh, than it has been in past years. So interesting. Uh, I'm there for it though. I, I am too. I, I think the only other team that would be in the conversation that you would really consider would be Boise state. Uh, maybe Memphis, if you want to think about it more geographically, but as soon as since Mike Norvell has left Memphis and granted it's only been one season, so I'm not going to put too much against their new coach. You know, Memphis is in that kind of conversation as well. Uh, it's it's a crazy thing. The the one in, really interesting part of this that I think it is worth talking about before we move on is the Houston aspect of it. Because I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with in the past when the Big 12 has dealt with conference realignment. Essentially, the University of Texas blackballed Houston. And Baylor and TCU and some of the – and Texas Tech, they all were kind of complicit in it, right? It's almost like there was like a bad breakup between friends and the other parties just kind of didn't want to get involved with it and like one person ends up staying, you know? Like it was just a weird kind of dynamic. And Houston – and it was actually like a state, like a legal issue within the state of Texas that – um, prevented Houston from gaining entry into the Big 12. And so now here we are 10 years later, and Houston is one of the four top contenders to get added to the Big 12. It's just a really interesting wrinkle into how this whole thing might actually end up uh, kind of playing out. All right, let's get into some football, shall we? Let's talk it. We're going to start with your boys, Penn State, number 19, going to Madison, Wisconsin. Jump around will be blasting. 
They will be going nuts in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm so ex- I'm very excited for this game. It is a noon kickoff. It's going to be basically our. It's going to be the first Saturday primetime like afternoon game that we're all going to get locked into because the higher the the better games. Not that this isn't a great game, but the better games. Um, that, that's that has more to do with just the caliber of games we have in Week One than Penn State and Wisconsin themselves. But this is it. This is the the unofficial like kickoff of college football. Penn State, Wisconsin at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison. It's going to be 71 and sunny. How are you guys feeling about your boys to kick off the college football season? You know, uh, not great. Wish we scheduled an easier one, got to say, but uh, or at home. Uh, I think going into Wisconsin, having their fans there, what, whatever's going to happen here, nice day. I'm excited to see our team out there and and hopefully we can put it together i'm open for a close one and hoping it comes down to a turnover battle that we somehow win um with my rose bowl colored eyeglasses on we we squeak out a win and from an analyst standpoint i think we lose probably a close game like a uh you know 24 to 31 kind of game that defensive wisconsin is nasty the offensive penn state is going to show up and be better uh give me penn state on the road at Camp Randall, beat the Badgers. Uh, Pens- or Wisconsin is six and four against Penn State at Camp Randall. Uh, they're about to be six and five. Well, you know what happened the last time that Penn State played in Wisconsin? Let's see if I know more about wait, Penn State wait. football than you guys do in this question. Well, don't get cocky because of research. Was it? Was it? Was Bill O'Brien our head coach? I'll give you guys the year. It yeah, was, it was 20, 2013. Oh, okay. It was uh, eight years yeah, ago. So it was, yeah, it was Bill O'Brien, and it was it. They were ranked. No, MG three. No, they were ranked, and we were underdogs by twenty four points, I believe. And we came back and won. Or was that twenty twelve? Uh, in twenty thirteen. Bingo. Was that? Oh, yeah. 20, you hit it on the head, Vito. That's yeah. exact. That's oh, exactly. Oh my god, what that happened. was one of the craziest games. And that's when Bill O'Brien, after the game, said. We got a bunch of fuckers, and he said fighters, or he wanted to, but he definitely said bunch of fuckers, and that's one of my my, quote, my favorite quotes. We've got then. a bunch of fuckers. Yeah. We've got a bunch of fuckers. And he was like crying. Let's you know, go. he's like so emotional. I think that's what he said because he's like, that's what he'd say in the locker room. You know, who so. was the who was the quarterback? That, that was pre Hackenberg, though, right? No, it was Hack. It was just, was it Hackenberg? No, that was Hack. Yeah, that was, was, it was right when McGloin just left. Yeah, it's when he was good still at, at football. It was, it was before, his freshman year. His year, was year he was good. Like that was <laughs> it. Like yeah, that was very good. Uh, so there's a couple of things about this game I'm intrigued by. I think Wisconsin ends up winning the game. And again, like we'll get into picks and stuff when we start going with the spreads at, at the end of this. I do think Wisconsin wins the game. I think Wisconsin's a better all around team. I think we see a lot more out of Graham Mertz. But there's two things I want to ask you guys, and we'll we'll go with this one first. I think a lot of people in general, college football fans have mitigated the importance of or lack there of fans in the stands, right? College football is a uniquely special environment, particularly when you're talking about top 25 matchups, that kind of stuff. And camp Randall's going to be going nuts. Beaver stadium. Yeah. Same thing thing is that's a great atmosphere. This game is not going to be at Beaver stadium, right? It's going to be in Wisconsin. So the impact that that fan has in that third quarter, third quarter rolls around, and jump around starts playing, and the whole stadium is shaking, 
communicate even simple things like on the field stuff like communication uh, sean clifford has not really been the starting quarterback for penn state while being in that kind of an environment and yeah graham hurts is going to have on the other side but traditionally fans try to be quieter when their team's offense is on the field you know that insanity is right before the ball snaps and the camera starts to shake a little bit when you're watching it on espn or on fox or wherever whatever channel it's on shout out 2019 michigan game Wide out mm-hmm. section. I think, <laughs> I think this is, I think that's going to be a big impact. And I think it'll take a few weeks and teams will start to get used to it again. But I think that home field advantage and the fact that even though we do have a bunch of top 25 ranked on ranked matchups here in week one, two of them are on neutral sites. So the impact that being at a place like Camp Randall, being in Madison, like I think that's going to play a big part in this game. And I don't think it's going to be indicative of how the whole season goes for Wisconsin, but or for Penn State. But I do think Wisconsin ends up pulling, or Wisconsin for that matter. I don't think it's going. To, I don't think we're going to look at this and say, like, "Oh, they are exactly who they were in Week One," because most football teams aren't that way anyway. The other question I would pose to you guys: If you could pick right now, Paul Christ or James Franklin, who would you rather have as the head coach at Penn State? James Franklin. James Franklin. And I think it goes down to recruiting. Yep. And, and that's Nailed where it. you live and die in college. I, I also would say, and, and that's where you go back and you look at some of these players and you know what, I'm going to change my analyst standpoint and maybe my fandom's just bleeding into it. We're going to end up winning a 24, 17 or 20 game, you know, it's going to be wow. close. But I, I just think when you look at this team, like Parker Washington for us, our sophomore, true sophomore receiver, Noah Kane coming back, I think it's going to be the massive. freaking and running then, back depth is unbelievable. No, it's great, but I think I think specifically depth is fine, but you need the guy to run the ball consistently, and we just switched it off a shit ton last year, and Noah Kane is the big-ass beast that's going to come in and carry the load, and, and I think that those two guys, Parker Washington and Noah Kane, are going to be the difference makers in this game. Scotty said the, the Scotty said the exact same thing on Monday. No, he, just, uh, I said, yeah, I'm, like word I'm tired word. of seeing a three-back set. Pick <laughs> a guy who's your premier bell cow, and let's go. They haven't oh, done that yeah. since Saquon. Because they haven't Miles had Sanders, anybody really, since, like, since Saquon or Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. Miles, yeah. Thank you. I said Saquon yeah, or but, Miles okay. Sanders. So, so we're two years removed from that. They're trying to figure it out. But like, but both of those guys, like, one, went, one went number three overall in the draft. The other one was a second round pick. Like they're both elite level talents. We're not talking about like there, there is not a guy since then who is that same caliber player. I think Noah Kane's a second to third round. Noah Kane is very close. Yeah. Yeah. He he Um, might, he might be. And then, then your, your points will be validated. My, what I'm saying is that since those guys have been here, including last year, that player has not been at Penn state. So what else, what else, you're absolutely right. What else would you rather do? No, you're you're absolutely right. No, but what I don't get journey Brown thing too. Like what I don't get ever is, is what what Franklin does is like you have a guy that's emerged as a premier guy, but we're still going to run a committee. And like, that's what doesn't make sense to me. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Game's coming up. We'll get our picks for that against the spread coming up in a little bit. Uh, the second of our list of games here, I want to touch Louisiana, Scotty and Vito. You guys know how I feel about group of five teams, frisky teams. Sometimes you get a little bit of carryover from the year before. Louisiana's got a little bit of that, but I don't think this is smoke and mirrors when it comes to Billy Napier and his squad. They're taking on Texas at DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium in Austin. 
It's going to be 100 degrees on the field at kickoff, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. So that's looking at, what, like a 3.30 p.m. kickoff for Texas and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. First game with uh, Steve Sarkeesian as the head coach. Tough first game, one that you might expect them to win. How do you guys see it shaking out in Austin on Saturday? I think this is another close one, honestly. Um, you talk about the heat. Them swamp boys are used to the heat out in Lafayette, Louisiana, and humidity. Uh, shout out swamp boys. Uh, let's get that hashtag going. Anyway, uh, I, I think this boys. is a, a closer game than than people think. Like people expect Texas to go in there and dominate this kind of game. I, I don't think it's that. Louisiana proved how good they were last year, and I said last week on the podcast that. I was excited to see this this uh, bunch of group of five teams that emerged last year because uh, the Power Five uh, was a little more subdued. Some started later, some didn't play at all, um, and and so this group of of uh, group of five uh, group of teams emerged as as legitimately good teams in the in the top twenty five. I don't think it was a fluke. I think there's actual talent there. And I think this Louisiana team is as talented as they come. Um, so I expect them to give Texas a run for their money. Yeah, I, I love the Cajuns, man. I, I'm just a huge fan, and it, it has a lot to do with some of their players. Um, you know, they've had a couple elite guys come through, a lot of tall receivers. I really like, like just the skill players they have. I think they're going to give Texas a run for their money because athletically they can in terms of the physicality, I think Texas pulls it out, but I would love, love, love to see this upset. And I actually, I think it'll be close. I think they will beat the spread, but I do think that they'll Texas will end up eking this one out. I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be coming out party for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, and there's a couple of things, part of which is completely unfair to Louisiana. They have dealt with a lot in the past week. They've had to yeah. leave their home facilities They've had to basically take shelter in the state of Texas. Uh, and we'll get to a little bit of that with the LSU and UCLA game too. But that's going to play a, a significant factor in this. Uh, the other thing I would throw out there as well is last year, there was not a whole lot of conference versus out of conference group of five power five games that went on. A lot of conferences played a conference only schedule. So I think that also played a part in seeing Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, BYU, Louisiana all finished the season within the top 25. Louisiana, to you know, to your point, Vito, like you love your Cajuns. We we do tend to, especially when a group of five school pops up and has a really good season. We mm -hmm. and, and look, Louisiana beat Iowa State week one last year, right? And Iowa yeah. State was ended up as a top 10 team. So I'm not taking anything away from them. Those games happen. And if it wasn't for that, Iowa State's probably in the college football playoff last year, which is crazy to think about. But Louisiana, they lost some guys. They still have the majority of their starting 22 coming back. I believe in Billy Napier, and I believe this will be a competitive game. But I think Texas wins it pretty handily. And I think we'll, what we see here is I think we see the, see the difference in a new a team that has a lot of talent, in your Bijan Robinsons, right? They lost Sam Ellinger. It's a new era, new head coach, new quarterback. And I think Steve Sarkeesian makes his fingerprint known on this team because this is in a lot, in a weird way, this is kind of a must win for Texas. 
for their oh, whole yeah. for their whole season. This is a must win for Texas coming in week one. Louisiana, they're playing with house money. But for Texas, they do have to come in and win. Vito, you looked like you had something else you want to throw in there. Uh, just the fact that I, I was going to point make the point you made that they, they've, although there weren't many out of conference games last year, I'm pretty sure the Sun Belt went like four and one or something ridiculous yeah. against like the Big Twelve. I, someone else beat Kansas State. Yep. Uh, before they beat Oklahoma, I, that might have been Coastal Carolina or App State. But e- either way, I actually really do like the Sun Belt and, and some of these top teams: Louisiana, App State, Coastal Carolina. I believe in them, and I think that these are some teams that other conferences should look at if they're looking to make an expansion. Um, these are some teams I think that can that can raise it. But you know how it is with programs; you got to prove it over 10, 12 years. So I would I would love to see some of the continued success out of the Sun Belt. Yeah, the Sun Belt did really well last year. I, I'm trying to find the number now. It's what exactly it was their record against the the. Uh, the big 12 because i think they went i think they did go four and one last year um which was a sur- surprising to say the least um but the sunbelt also ended up being good and look the sunbelt has two teams ranked in the top 25 coming into the season that is pr- wildly absurd wildly absurd as we're recording this now coastal carolina and the citadel kicking off they are just about uh two and a half minutes into their season uh, as we're recording this now, they should handle the Citadel, but it's a triple option team down there in South Carolina. Uh, the next game I want to dive into, we're going back to Big Ten country. We have Iowa taking on Indiana week one. Where do you guys see Indiana? Michael Penix. It's a 3.30 kickoff. It's going to be on the Big Ten network. It's in Iowa City. So you got Michael Penix and Tom Allen. Love LEO, baby. Love each other. On the road. For both teams, because both teams have a chance to, I think, legitimately turn some heads, big upset wins, and for a team like Iowa has a legitimate chance to win the Big Ten West, how does this one shake out in Iowa City? Kinnick Stadium, one of the most underrated stadiums in college football. Yeah, I'd love to go um, uh, as, a, as a Penn State fan. Uh, just the, the atmosphere at Kinnick is, just looks electric in, in all the games that I've ever watched there, and it's been a lot. Um, the thing is, I was a tough team to beat at that stadium. And that's just a straight up fact. Uh, the other straight up fact is that the big 10 West is going to come down to two games. Well, four games. This is one of them. Uh, the other is Iowa and Wisconsin on Halloween weekend. Um, and I don't know. Like to me, this this just reeks of of who wants it more in week one. And to harken back to to the division thing of it is Indiana's got a lot more to gain by winning this game than Iowa does to lose. Uh, but I think Iowa has is an underrated team. I think they can get frisky in that division, and I think they can probably end up beating Wisconsin. As I said on the, uh, on the, on the last podcast, when we did the big 10 preview, I never count out a Kirk Ferentz team. Never won't do it. Can't do it. I, they just recruit. Well, uh, that, that scheme has been in place for almost over 20 years. Uh, I, I won't do it. So, um, I, you know, I like Iowa at home, particularly. I'm the same. And, and here's my reasoning. Um, when you look at the recruiting, they're not the most stellar recruiters, right? They get local talent developed, 
Um, but games are won and lost up front. And four of the of the top five recruits for the last four years that I was had, so each of those years, four of the top five recruits are on the line, either offense or defense. So in my mind, not only are you getting talent there, you're developing it well, and that's where games are won and lost. I'm going to take Iowa. I love what Indiana is doing, but you just can't deny the upfront, you know, uh, strength that Iowa has on their offense and defense. I'm leaning towards Indiana, but this to me is a pick'em. Like this, this, this should be yeah, this exactly because be- to me, if this game were in Bloomington, we'd be it would be a different rhetoric entirely. And and that's reflected in the line, which again we'll we'll get to our picks against the spread coming up in in just a little bit, but. It's that's reflected in the line right now. And I, I just, I, I'm just a Tom Allen believer. I just am. And look, Michael Penix Jr., like all conventional wisdom is telling me you should pick Iowa. It's just a gut feeling with Indiana right now. I just believe in that team. I believe in Michael Penix Jr., I believe in uh, Elio, I believe in Tom Allen. And so I'm just, I, I, no, I have a hard time coming up with logical explanations, especially with a starting hey, quarterback man. coming off of an Sometimes ACL you gotta injury. Trust your gut. <laughs> but my gut is just leaning me towards Indiana. Uh, the next, and what a signature road win too! Absolutely, that would be absolutely. Uh, we got two top top twenty five ranked on ranked matchups left. Defending national champions Alabama taking on the Miami Hurricanes SEC ACC in Atlanta in Mercedes Benz Stadium. Tickets as low as $78, y'all. Shout out, dude. Shout out my thesis building. My thesis <laughs> building right there. Um, I know how I feel against the spread, but I want to know how you guys feel about this game all in all. Does Miami have any chance in pulling off the upset? Uh, they, they do. I just – I won't put my money on it. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I, I just think that – no matter what you you look at, they do have some more experience at some positions that matter. Like we've talked about the quarterback for a while, but with Alabama and what they do on defense, I think that's the difference maker. Uh, and I like both teams, but I just will never go against the Nick Saban defense, especially secondary. Um, they've talked about talent. They've brought in a, a ton of talent again, shocker. And uh, un- until they're knocked off, I won't bet against them. This might end up on freezing cold takes. Um, but outright, give me Miami with the Eric King coming back. I wow. just there's too many question wow. marks. At, too many question marks at Alabama. Wow, way too many. Wow, lo- I love this. They lose so many guys to the NFL, so many top top tier guys, and they always come out with first rounders and stuff like that. But I'm talking talent wise. What came out of Alabama last year was better than I've almost ever seen that is now in the NFL in the first, second, third round. So losing all that, regrouping, I don't doubt Nick Saban to to get them coached right. I just don't think it happens week one. Um, give me give me the Canes. Wow. Whew. Wow. I need, a, I need a second. There we go. Scotty just throw it, flame throwing this, this <laughs> whole fucking segment. Jesus. Wow. All right. Isn't that crazy too? That like a 14 over upset of a one is like the hottest take ever because it's Alabama. Cause it's Bama. It's Nick Saban. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's a legitimate argument. I mean, again, we'll get into it when we talk about the spread. 
I think Miami's going to be frisky, and I think Derek King is going to prove to be a problem for Alabama. So talented. But I'm not ready to say outright necessarily that I think uh, that I think they can pull it off. All right, last one here. I'm so excited that we have this game week one. I can't – the last time I remember a game being somewhat similar to this was the year after Jameis had moved on. I think it might have been the year after, maybe two years after Jameis had moved on to the NFL, and we were supposed to have uh, DeAndre Francois and Florida State and Jimbo, take, who were preseason, I think, number three, taking on number one Alabama. This game, Clemson-Georgia, is a game between two legitimate college football playoff teams, uh, two teams that both need this win, and both teams that are loaded but have just a couple of questions. And those couple of questions are how this game is going to end up being defined. It's being played in Charlotte, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, ABC, Bank of America Stadium. Where are you leaning right now? The Clemson Tigers. Dabo Sweeney going up against JT Daniels, Kirby Smart, and the Georgia Bulldogs. By the way, dogs versus cats all time in top top 25 matchups. If I have the number correct, 61% dogs. Let's go. Beat cats. Of course, because dogs are better. They're not going to find an argument from me. So, I... Look, this is a matchup we could see just as easily in uh, in December as we can in September. Um, the defense of of Georgia to me stands out in this, uh, especially a Kirby Smart coach team, um, and I love their quarterback JT Daniels. So um, a lot of question marks at Clemson still. Again, um, you know. No, no doubt of Dabo Swinney, uh, similar to my Alabama take. I'm going to take Georgia at a neutral site. Um, I think the the their fans will will show up and show out, and um, I just I don't know this this to me is a gut. Like again, another pick them, um, but I just th- there's so much so much talent that Georgia has, and they have again more on the line than Clemson does. And even if both of these teams end up with a second loss, I can see them in the mix for the college football playoff uh, just because of the nature of their their schedules. Less so Clemson than Georgia, but um, I, I just I, I like what the what the dogs have been putting together and uh, and I I'll take them in, in this game. I mean, JT Daniels, right, comes down to him in this this offense. But, I mean, I agree. This defense is absolutely stunning. Um, I really like some of these players. They have they have some good size on the defensive line. Um, and, and they obviously have a couple elite players on both sides. Uh, I mean, they have a ton of elite players on both sides in terms of athletically. But when, when you look at some of these guys, you know, outside of JT Daniels who are going to make plays um, – you know, whether that's George Pickens, there's a couple other guys that we've talked about, but what's going to be really important is how the coaches handle this game. And I really hope it doesn't come down to a coaching mistake, but in a game like this, you're going to see some go for it. you're going to see some, you know, are we out the edge of field goal range? What do we do? The tempo of the game. Yeah. Well, in the tempo (laughs) of the game, uh, what kind of tempo are we going to see from both these teams? 
And I, I really think that that's where the game is going to be won and lost in the coaching, which I would give the edge to Clemson normally. But for some damn reason, like my brain's telling me to go Clemson, I just really want Georgia. Um, and, and I'm going to go with them with, with, with JC Daniels. What about you, Jeff? Thank you. It's a gut thing. <laughs> so I, I, there's a couple of things you have to look at, right? I look at the quarterback position, number one. I think the head coaching thing, the head coaching battle, I give slightly to Dabo despite the national championships and everything else. I think Kirby, because of the fan base of Georgia, because it's been so long since they've won a championship and everything, you know, there, there are three coaches who have over 50 wins in the last five years. And it's, it's Nick Saban, it's Dabo, and it's, uh, it's Kirby Smart. So this whole idea that Kirby is a bad coach, I think is absolute horseshit. I get that you need to update, got to change, you got to adjust and everything. That's all totally valid. But I do think Dabo gets a slight edge. Quarterback position, I give a slight edge to Clemson because DJ Uyengalile is just a more talented player than JT Daniels. I think JT Daniels could be a really, really good quarterback. I think JT Daniels will have a really, really good season. And I think he will lead Georgia to a easily double digits, you know, win season this year. Mm -hmm. However, I've been leaning Clemson this whole time between these two teams. And this week, Dabo came out and said that they might have to rotate centers and have two different centers playing. And when you're rotating the center position, that set off alarm bells in my head, especially when you're going up against the best defensive tackle in college football in Jordan Davis, who is an absolute monster who could easily wreck this game single-handedly for Georgia. So I have this as a pick them right now. And if I had to pick a top five matchup as a pick them. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. If I had to pick between the two. In my mind, this was in my mind, I was leaning Clemson this whole time. So to me, I didn't view it as, as much of a pick them as everybody else. I, I still think that Clemson holds on. Just do what me and Vito did. What's your gut say? My gut says Clemson. Okay, there you go. Nothing but wrong with that. There's legitimate arguments to be had on both sides. So I, I like I said, DJ Uyunglele, the quarterback's most important position. But if Jordan Davis wrecks this game in the way that he is capable of from that defensive tackle spot, and we're talking about like a like a, a Fletcher Cox type of player is kind of his comp, it, it could it could ruin some days. It could, it could ruin some days for Clemson. So. Right, when, when we get to when we get to the picks, when we actually get to the picks, I'll make my decision because right now I'm not ready to say. All right, speaking up. All right, picks against the spread. I got. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got eight picks. Eight games we're gonna pick against the spread. I'm gonna keep track of them here. So uh, so get ready. Number one, Friday, September third, North Carolina going to Blacksburg in Lane Stadium against Virginia Tech. Tech has not won a big game in Lane Stadium for a while. North Carolina has a lot of expectations put on them, which is why I'm kind of zeroing in on this game. Right now, UNC is getting, or sorry, is giving five and a half points. What do you guys have? I get UNC covering. Uh, Mac Brown, I, I'm just going with him, man. I think he's really gotten enough uh, of his guys, like we always talk about in that program. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do this year in the ACC. 
Talk about two ACC programs on opposite ends of the spectrum where Virginia Tech should be rising with uh, with Justin Fuente. They are falling. UNC building and building, and I think they're they're moving in opposite directions right now. Give me UNC. Urgh. I'm going to take Tech to cover, have but UNC been, to win. Have you been to Lane Stadium? No, I'm giving. I'm taking the the points with UNC. Have you been to Lane Stadium for a game? It's electric. It, it's bad. one. Of, it's UNC. one of the. It's one of the best. The walkout and everything. It's one of the best environments in college football. Uh, again, incredibly underrated. I'm going to take Virginia Tech to cover UNC to win. I think. I think this is going to be one of those moments where UNC comes in. And also, before we go here, I just want to say I went five and zero with my week zero picks. It's it's cemented. Huh. I have I have coverage of it. I have I have audio of all my picks. Oh, wow. Five and zero week zero. That's but will that should, will that should we start tracking like the bear? Well, I'm gonna have I'm, we're gonna do picks every week for for college football for the NFL. I'm gonna write them down. So at the end of the year, maybe maybe we go through and do some math and we figure out you know all that stuff. But I think I think this is not this is gonna be less about tech. And more about UNC. I think UNC has a lot of expectations, and I think they come out a little slow to start, but I think they hold on, win the game. I think it's probably by, uh, you know, five, four, three, maybe a field goal, maybe a weird kind of score at the end. I think UNC wins, but Virginia Tech covers. Um, next up, we're going to Sunday, Sunday night. We have a 7:30 game on ABC, number nine, Notre Dame, going to Tallahassee to take on. Mike Norvell's Florida State Seminoles, Mackenzie Milton, not likely to be the starting quarterback. There has been some behind the scenes stuff that I can't necessarily share on air, but I know that it will be a two quarterback system, at least to first kind of start off the season. Jordan Travis can do some damage right now. Notre Dame Whoa. is a seven point favorite news. Notre Dame is a seven point favorite heading to Tallahassee. Who do you guys got? Yeah, I'll take Notre Dame. I had them on the fringe of the playoff. Um, I don't see them losing a game like this. Florida State's still in rebuild mode, I think. Um, so to give them a touchdown on the road, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take Notre Dame to cover. You know what? I, I'm going to, too, but I don't want to. I, I, you know what? No, I'm taking Oh, Florida don't State. get me wrong. Neither do I. I, no, I don't I'll take to. Florida State. I'll take Florida State at home. This is the year. This is the surprise game where they keep it close. They probably still lose, but let's keep it within that. Um, let's keep within that touchdown spread. Look, it would give State. me great, great pleasure if Notre Dame did not cover and lost this game. Um, for the fact that that the playoff race would be implicated by week one. So, like, fuck it. Yeah, I love your take, Notre uh, on Notre Dame, Vito. Now, Notre Dame was the one school we actually omitted in all of our, our preseason preview, I realized, because they're not in a conference, and we talked about a group of five schools. We never really got them. Oh, um, imagine that. Jack Cohn, starting quarterback from Wisconsin. They have one of the best backfields in the country. They actually have some decent talent at wide receiver, which they haven't really had in the last couple of years. Uh, they have Mayer back at tight end. The defense lost a ton of talent last year. And if Florida State was was confirmed that Mackenzie Milton was going to be the starting quarterback, or honestly, even Jordan Travis was going to be the full-time starting quarterback, I might lean towards Florida State. But I think Notre Dame wins by a couple touchdowns. I think I have Notre Dame covering the spread and covering the touchdown on the road in Tallahassee. All right, 
Up next, Big Ten country, Indiana versus Iowa. Iowa is a three-point favorite. So like I said, that it would be indicative of whoever had home field advantage. Typically, when you're the home team, you get those three points. If it's a pick them game, you get the three points. Iowa, three-point favorite. Who do you guys got? Number 17, Indiana, on the road at number 18, Iowa. I got Iowa. I got Iowa straight up. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Iowa outright. I don't know why. Like, to me, winning a game at Kinnick takes a lot more than just the three points that you get on the spread as a pick em game. Hmm. Uh, so, so give me Iowa to cover. I'm sticking yeah, Iowa. Sure. I have Indiana. I think Indiana, I think Indiana wins the game outright. And I think if even if they lose, I think it's just going to be a really tight game. I think they cover the three points. I'm taking the Hoosiers to cover the three points in Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. All right. My that's big. Like that's that's a big, big win on both sides. Gambling and outright. Yeah, right. <laughs> Potentially interesting game. Uh, some people, especially after what they did last weekend, UCLA just blowing the doors off of Hawaii in an absolute massacre. Louisiana State, LSU. It's so weird saying Louisiana State. There's nothing that feels comfortable about saying that. It's just you just say LSU. It's like saying Pennsylvania State University. It just doesn't doesn't feel right. Um, LSU traveling to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA in Pasadena, California. Vito, you were were just there, man. You were just there. Weather looks good currently right now. I'm shocked at this line. LSU is a two and a half point favorite. That's it. Two and a half on the road. It's a really interesting matchup. LSU had to go to Houston to practice all week. The Texans have been housing them. Uh, and now they will then make their way to LSU or to the Rose Bowl and to UCLA this weekend. Who do you guys have LSU giving two and a half against the UCLA Bruins? I, I want to take one thing. I want to take you. I want to take UCLA, and I don't know why. I just I do still like Chip Kelly, and hopefully this is the year he puts it together. And I would love for a stunner week one. So I'm going with UCLA. I love it. If there's one, if there's one thing I learned from Katrina, it's that uh, disasters rally rather than uh, separate. That's so, the one thing you learned uh, from Katrina. That that well. No, there's many more things that I learned, but uh, I was thinking in my head of that New Orleans Saints game uh, with the blocks punt and, the, and all of that. Yeah, so, the Steve Nelson uh, game. Yeah, give me uh, two and a half, nice weather. Uh, give me LSU. I believe in Chip Kelly. I think they're going to have a good season. I think they end up in the uh, in the Pac-12 championship, honestly. But um, give me LSU with a uh, with a rallying cry. Uh, to, to send to the folks back home to cover. So I, I don't know where this line opened at. I'd be curious to go back and look, but pre-hurricane, pre-UCLA blowing the doors off of uh, Hawaii, I would think this was probably closer to a five and a half to seven and a half line. And if it was there, I would take UCLA because I do think this is going to be a, a competitive game. But I like LSU. I think LSU is going to have a major bounce back year. And recently, the the shoe game last year between LSU and Florida that LSU somehow won was on. And 
from how much LSU was reeling last year for them to come back and have a big win like that against Florida was really, really impressive. And it spoke volumes about how much the team still believes in coach O and believes in that magic that they had from the, the 2019 championship team. I have LSU winning here with the two and a half. It's just a field goal. I don't love that line. And, and that's primarily why I'm, I'm leaning LSU. All right. Louisiana going to DKR, DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium, taking on the Texas Longhorns. Right now, Texas is a nine-point favorite. Getting nine, They're giving nine points. Louisiana, oh. the Raging Cajuns are getting nine points. Give me those Raging Cajuns, and I'm running out of this casino with my money. Oh, let's go. Nine? I'm going to tease that. I'm going to tease that with, with some you. other games. I'm Let's with go. you. There's there's no way this should be nine points. A touchdown, maybe, um, but nine points. That's insane. I, I take give me the raging Cajuns on the on the spread. And for for all you folks out there who are gambling on these things, I'm telling you, especially in college, look for like a three to four team seven point parlay. You know what I mean? Where you get seven, the teaser. If you make that into a sixteen point spread. A couple of these other games, you extend it seven. That's how you. That's how you just lock some some really good bets up early in the season and get that momentum going for yourself. As it's becoming more and more legalized across the country, we need Vito's degenerate gambling advice, where he can kind of teach us this stuff. Because you're right, Vito. This is a perfect game to try to tease. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Louisiana. I, I want to pick Texas, but I I don't think it's. I don't think nine points is enough. I I mean, I could see this ending in ten. And it will be a heart. It'll it'll just be one of those you know heartbreaker kind of games. You're just locked into the whole thing. You know what? No, I'm going to be different. Give me Texas. <laughs> Give me Texas. You're a Sark believer. Hook them. Okay, cool. Hook them. <laughs> Let's go. I am a Sark believer. I I have bought all the Steve Sarkeesian stock stock. Texas is at a point where like every university they get exhausted by the whole like. The U is back, right? You know, LSU, every team is back. And Texas has forever been the perennial team. But I feel like even Texas fans have Texas's back fatigue. You know, they're they're tired of doing it. And they're just kind of like in this hopeless, like, all right, whatever. I get we're gonna join the SEC. We'll see what happens, you know. And I think, I think for Texas, I think they're due. I think they're due for a big comeback. And I think they make their statement here. Two touchdowns, a touchdown, a field goal, and you cover. That's it. Just need a two-score game. I like the Longhorns. I don't love the nine it's points. It's a two-score game against a top 25. Team. And here's what I would do, Vito, using your own same logic. I would tease the line the other way. You could do that too. And say, get it up to like six points. And then yeah. I'd feel even more confident that Texas Not will bad. cover the spread. All right. Yeah, we got those th- seven-pointers. Get down to two. Could you imagine? That's we not got, bad. We got three left. Three left. We're heading to Wisconsin. Camp Randall Stadium. Number 19, Penn State Nittany Lions taking on number 12, Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin is a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I will say I do love the over-under here at 50. That's a really intriguing number to me. Wisconsin. What what was the line, five-and-a-half? Five-and-a-half, Wisconsin is a favorite. I think I know how you guys feel, so go ahead and and let it rip. I'm taking Penn State in the points. I'm also going to tease this one. The over/under though at 50, I think that's a really good line. 
that's a really good line. I think it'll be right around there, but we'll see how that goes. Um, if I had to put my money on it, I would say over because it's the first game of the year and it's way more fun to root for overs. Scotty. I would take points and T. Oh, you just said that. Uh, I would take points and T's, uh, but that is a good, uh, a very good line at 50. Um, I think this is going to end up being more of a classic big 10 game. Most of what Penn state usually throws out there on in game one is, is defense. Um, and they score four touchdowns early against the cupcake, and then it's the the seconds. But we don't have that option this year uh, because we've been granted uh, the most difficult schedule in the Big Ten by the uh, the benefactors of the schedule. So um, uh, I'll take the uh, you're gonna take the I'll points, take the and points. you're gonna take the under. I'll take the points, and yeah, yeah, I'll I'll take the points and the under. I agree with you guys. I'm also taking Penn State to cover. I'm taking Penn State to lose outright, but I do think Penn State covers. I think this is a field goal game. Say that. And I think I think Wisconsin wins the game. This feels to me like Wisconsin gets up by like 10, and then Penn State comes down with like a last-minute touchdown to get to three, and then they try to do an onside kick or they do something, try to get the ball back. And, yeah. and, and that's, and that's what Vito said, like a, like a 24-20, right? That's – yeah, That's so, where, somewhere where in that somewhere that. in that ballpark. I, but I like the five and a half there. That's a good line. All right, two more. Miami, Alabama. Miami's getting 19 and a half points against the defending champs. Who do you guys got? Can they cover the spread? 19 and a half? 19 Were and a half. Were those the words that just came out of your mouth? 19 and a half. Oh, boy. Um. I don't think that the Hurricanes will cover. Wait, yes, I do. Screw it. They're winning outright. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, I got Bama They're winning still. outright. I got Give Bama still. You forget how easy it is to get to 19, especially a late touchdown. And here's the reason why. I do think it'll get a little out of hand early, and I think we'll see some backups from Bama, which backups from Bama are very goddamn good. So I could easily see them – getting a late touchdown, running it, but they do usually run it out and, and take a knee. No, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with my gut and say Bama's covering. Bama covering the 19 and a half. Vito, you're probably the smart one here because it's dumb to bet against Nick Saban, but Scotty, I'm with you, except I don't think Miami wins the game, but I do think it is. Uh, I think it's like a one score game. I think Miami keeps it close. I think they put up a lot of points. I know Bama's defense is still going to be good this year, but I think Derek King is going to, you know, because the thing is, we don't know what we're going to see out of Derek King, and neither does Nick Saban. So I'm betting on Derek King being healthy. I would have loved Derek- to see this game, by the way, in week one of last year, because that would have been awesome. Yeah, With a full, the a talent on the defense that Miami had. And- I would have oh. taken ba- I would have taken Bama to cover the 19 and a half, though. Though still last year, even last year. Uh, all right, last game. The game I think we're all looking for, which means it's probably going to be a blowout and it's going to suck, and there's going to be another game we're not even talking about that ends up being the best game of the weekend. But number three, Clemson, taking on number five, Georgia. Neutral site field in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. It's going to be 84 degrees and just beautiful, beautiful Saturday for football. Clemson right now is giving three points. So Clemson minus three going up against the Bulldogs. 
it's neutral site. So they, they, the betters like Clemson by a little bit. Yeah. And, and you know what, that's probably the truth, but I'm still going to go Georgia, especially with those yeah. three points. Um, I, I'm going to hit Georgia. Although I will say I used to live in Charlotte. Clemson's only like 45 minutes away. Very, very close. It's going to be much closer to a home game. Atlanta, you know, Georgia's, I don't know how far Athens is. I think it's like two hours or so from there. So both very close, but just got to say that um, look for a, a more of a home crowd for uh, Clemson Tigers. Scotty going Georgia as well. Do you want to elaborate on that at all? Or are you just going to shake your head? Cause you know, the podcast listeners are not going to be able to see you yeah. shake your head. <laughs> yeah. All right. Scotty's going Georgia. Not a lot yeah. to say there. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Georgia. I'm going to hop on with you guys. My, my, I've been on the Clemson bandwagon this whole time. I still think Clemson by season's end will be in the national championship game. I do still believe that. I don't think there will be a legitimate competitor in the ACC that will knock them out of the playoffs, but I think this is going to be one of the, you know, they always say about the Super Bowl videos, right? The national championship videos, the sports Illustrated used to put out like the championship DVD will start on a fourth quarter play where Georgia somehow pulls this out. And I actually do think this game is going to be really, really good. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be an awesome game, but I like Georgia to win. Maybe not on a last second field goal, but I do think uh, I do think they'll win. I think it'll be a tight game as well. All right, quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to do a random life shit, and we're going to get out of here and get ready for college football because college football is alive and well. In the time that we've been talking about this, we have a 14 to nothing Coastal Carolina lead, and we have Utah up 3 nothing early in the first quarter against Weber State. We'll come back 8 p.m. kickoff. Go Gophers tonight, go, too. Go Gophers, I was just going to say. We are just about 15 minutes from our time right now. You're time traveling a bit. Ohio State's about to kick off against Minnesota, so we'll be right back. We'll finish up the pod after this. It's our new tradition that we're doing here on the pod. We're going to wrap up our shows. Just talking about random shit we see on the internet, random life, uh, because, look, we spend a lot of time talking about sports, but we're all we're all deeper than that, right? We're more than more than just sports fans. If it's more than an athlete, we're more than just fans of athletes. Uh, there's a couple of things. One actually does pertain yeah. to sports here. Um, have you guys followed the F1 series on Netflix at all? I started watching that document that like series that goes through. Yeah, I started yeah, watching that. The docu series. I, it's called Drive to no. Survive. Yeah. I haven't no. got I've, I've checked out the first couple episodes. It's really good. It's been incredibly popular. It, it has basically created this whole new fan base for F1 racing because you're seeing all the behind the scenes of this season long kind of, you know, tor- not even torn. But it's almost like a uh, like a traveling like circus kind of thing. You know, they go to a different town every single week. Like, it's like a tour. Right. And uh, it, it's it's gone incredibly well. And. It's gone so well, in fact, that Netflix has decided that they're going to make a a similar style show about the PGA Tour. Really? Yes. Caddy interviews and that would be cool as hell. And they're they're going to it's from the same people who did Explained and like I said, the Drive to Survive. Uh, And there's a company called Main Event Productions that was created by Ricky Fowler who had already done a docu-series thing for Netflix back in 2019, uh, they're going to basically follow along some of the biggest names in golf, some of the names that have been 
thrown out there are Justin Thomas, potentially Tiger Woods, if he makes the comeback, depending on how he's feeling. Uh, I would assume since it's Ricky Fowler's company, we will see some Ricky. We'll probably see some Phil, maybe even a little Brooksy and Bryson thrown into the mix. You know, Ricky Fowler and Bryson oh, are, are both represented by Puma. Like them or hate them, we're, I think it's safe to say that for the most part, we would all be pretty much locked in. So tell me your, your interest level here, boys, about watching a, a, a series. It's basically hard knocks for an entire season that would come out weekly on Netflix with all the behind the scenes stuff from the PGA tour. I think I would love to see like, especially after a big major and someone falling apart, like what the conversations are with their caddy or after a, a great shot. Like I always think about the one Bubba hit out of the, out of like the wood ships that yeah. curved and it was upside down. Like was what was his caddy the masters? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear the caddy being like, what the fuck are you doing? Bubba? You know what I mean? I just wanted some of those moments or afterwards they're like, I told you I could do that. Like, I want some of that behind the scenes, like almost shit talking with a caddy. Cause I think it's a little different one-on-one with the whole team. So I think that would be a really, really fun insight into the sport. And I do think in the same regard, it'd probably grow a lot of fans, at least with some of the stories, like with um, Jordan Spieth's caddy and how he was a, a teacher and then ended up caddying him. Cause he was just like a volunteer. Like some of those caddy stories I think would add to this as well. So very interested. I'd say a eight out so- of 10. The, I'm super interested, by the way. Uh, number, well, I'll get to that point later. But expounding on your point, Vito, the caddy stories, I love to hear the stories about golfers with patrons. Uh, we heard one this past weekend with Patrick Cantley, who ended up winning, um, who, when a fan said, why don't you lay up, Patrick? Uh, uh, Patrick re- replied with, "Why? oh, no, maybe it was, no, it was Kevin Ke- Kisner, It was Kevin actually. Kisner, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was like, why don't you lay up? And and Kevin Kisner was like, why don't you shut the fuck up? Yeah, and then he <laughs> Which proceeded. Is amazing. But the uh, best part was then he birdied three out of his next four holes. Right. After after so, that layup, so so that fan interaction is what what I'm after, and and some of the a lot of the caddy stuff that you mentioned, Vito. The one what I'm interested in is, and we see this a lot in like the match and and you know some of the other like. Uh, you know, just regular um, pickup rounds that that they play, for lack of a better term. But to see those professional golfers out on the course playing like us in shorts and a and a polo shirt, having yeah. a couple beers, and it's just like, oh, like we're not so different. Like yeah. you might make a shitload of money on this, but we're not that different. Yeah, <laughs> like we yeah, like you still thing. love golf. You're for just the same a lot reasons. better at it. Yeah, <laughs> you just, you love golf for the same reasons I do. You just get to get paid millions and millions of dollars for it. Uh, The company said the PGA tour series will focus on a cast of roughly a dozen players tracking their progress inside and outside the ropes, taking viewers from tour sites to life at home. I'm just in my head. I'm thinking about like the masters episode, right? Like we're all watching the masters, but then we know there's going to be a whole Netflix episode an hour long. That's going to take us to the behind the scenes of what it was like that week in the masters. Like I, I am, I had a Pavlovian response to this when I, when I saw it come across my Twitter timeline, like I literally felt my mouth salivating because I, I was like this, I've watched the F1 thing. I'm not a huge racing guy, but I still found it cool. The the bits and pieces of it that I watched for something like golf that I'm a huge fan of, especially considering that like in the post tiger era, 
it seems like the PGA has finally started to get it right, which is that how, how are we going to drive interest in the sport and between the Brooks, the Bryson, the Rory, the, you know, JT, like all these names people care about the playoffs. There've been more playoffs this year on the PGA tour than have ever been, which has made it just electric. The one on Sunday was incredible, including Bryson just absolutely duffing a chip from right off the green. Yeah. Like again, talk about things like, amazing. Oh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Patrick Cantlay had the greatest putting performance in the history of the PGA Tour, at least from when strokes gained and, and certain things were, were tracked. I'm all over this, and I, I cannot wait for it. And then to your point about, like, seeing their home life, like, yeah, like for those pros, it's like they're, they're out on the road, their tour, like, they have to be away from their family in most cases for a tour. I want to see those guys playing on the weekend where they're like, yeah, I just drank like eight beers on the course. Uh, me and my buddy are going to the bar uh, so that yeah. I don't have to go home. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's what I want. And it's <laughs> funny, too, because like a lot of people have had hard knocks fatigue, like they've gotten kind of tired of hard knocks as, as an entity. And because it's been very much the same thing for a long time. And so now that these docuseries are being created for other sports, I think there's a legitimate shelf life for this. And I think there's going to be a lot of interest where even though they might use some of the same tactics and styles in terms of like the home life that we see from Dak Prescott to the home life that we might see from Rory McIlroy, this will be a really cool way to see just a different sport and the way it operates from, you know, again, behind the scenes. All right. The other thing here in the random life shit, do you ever have musicians or bands that pop up in your life that, you're like, oh, I like a couple of their songs. And then you hit a point where you're like, I should really check this band out. I should really check these people out. And then you, you'd kind of do a deep dive and you get really into them. Does that happen to you guys? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I had a recent um, similar situation with the band ABBA. Really? And, like the old pop band ABBA? Oh, yeah. yeah the, Swede, the Swedish pop band ABBA. I was a big fan of Waterloo. I, Waterloo is a banger. Uh, there's also <laughs> no shame in liking ABBA, by the way. People like to shame no, ABBA. No, and that's no. a little bit Why where I'm going with this. Uh, I Recently, I've, I've gotten into like ABBA, exploring their discography a little more. It's just happy, fun music. Like it, it's objectively just really enjoyable to listen to. I loved the musical Mamma Mia, which was especially when I was younger, which is made entirely of ABBA music. ABBA's coming back, y'all. ABBA is back. For the first time in 40 years, they're releasing an album together. They're also doing a concert, like documentary, you know, movie with them. At this point, the band is well into their late 60s, probably early 70s at this point. I'm not sure how good oh, yeah. it'll be or anything else. But Do you remember the kids, like the 18s? Do you remember them? Yeah. Yeah, the 18. Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot that they were Abba's kids. That's incredible. What a pull. Um, I'm super excited for it, especially as just it coincided, just happened to be getting into Abba right at the time that they're going to be releasing their first music in 40 years. I don't know how good it's going to be. It's going to be out November 5th. But it did get me thinking as a band that is perpetually underrated and underappreciated, what is a band to you guys that you really like genuinely love that you kind of found yourself falling into that gets shit on, but frankly are just like, they just slap. And 
I don't want to hear Nickelback. So just any answer other than Nickelback. Because I get it. Nickelback is at this point become underrated because of how much people dump on them. You hit you hit Vito's right. <laughs> no, I, I think for me, like mine is honestly um well, there's two because one doesn't really count. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift gets shit on all the time. And I love, I love Taylor the most Swift. Popular Anyone pop who knows star me. in the world. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the underrated person you're going with. Yeah, any anyone who knows me knows that like she's my girl. I love her. Um, not since since her first album, like you know Tim McGraw that song. She's got our song. Like there are some great ones on her self like titled album. Until recently, like I really liked her last two new albums. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of things going on there, and, and you're not going to be a fan of someone forever and throughout everything. I was. I'm I'm lucky to find that. But I think another band that actually does not get shit on, but I don't think it's the credit they probably deserve is a good way for me to put it is, um, is a band called big wild. I love them. And you probably heard them in like, they have a song or two that might be in like a car commercial here, like something there. And you're like, Oh, it's catchy. But for some reason, this is a band who like has put out a couple albums, um, who've been great. And, and you know what, I'm even going to go one more with, uh, the head and the heart. They're like one of my favorite bands. They perform a lot. They're a concert, like a, you know, a, um, a festival band, right? They travel almost every year, no matter what. And they'll play and they put out new albums every year or two. But for some reason, they haven't broken that like massive popularity. They've had a song or two on the radio. But for me, like those, those musical bands that you find when you see them live and they're just so much better, like those are the ones for me. Um, and, and those two, I don't think get enough credit. But in terms of getting shit on, luckily, I feel like most of my music doesn't get shit on. I'm pretty lucky that way. Uh, for me, uh, I, I also have two. One is uh, one that I didn't really get into in high school, but a lot of people did. And um, I didn't get into until my 20s. And that's David Bowie, mm. um, who I got into way too late. Um and then the other is uh, which genres completely back to country is uh, is a band called Midland uh, from from Texas. They're a little more popular now, but um, I got into them when they were still like headlining uh, South by Southwest and um, going to see them in Philly in uh, November 5th, actually, at the uh, Franklin Theater. Uh, but just like old remember, school. Remember. Yeah. Old school country. Um you know, a lot of people still like don't know them, and to me, it it exonerates, like personifies uh, what I love about about country music, and it's that that old Texas sound with like Willie and Waylon, and they they do a lot of that and and more. Um, they they expand upon a lot of like Bruce Springsteen and and uh, and older uh, country even than than Willie and Waylon. So uh, Midland to me too as well. So, well, so all over all over the map there. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, ABBA is the one of, of recency that has been a band that I think is just perpetually. It's not even that they're underrated. Like, I think millions of people love their music, but I think they just get put in like this kind of box. You know, they just kind of get put on this shelf that they're supposed to be, you know, they're oh, they're the Mamma Mia band or they're this or Dancing Queen, you know, like they don't really get the whole, you know. But when you really listen to their discography, like it's just a bunch of it's just happy music just kind of like sweet stuff um i do love that you both picked the 
little known the 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 little guys in Taylor Swift and David Bowie because nobody knows either of those two. Like, well, they don't. Really, they don't. Really no. underappreciated those two. I'm glad uh, you recognize that too, Jeff. I think they're on. They're going to be on the VH1's uh, new artist for 2021. Yeah, they might make it someday. They might make it someday after this. Um, I don't know. I mean, like other than that, I mean, I think this might be like a weird pick because I think people love love his TV show and they love his a lot of his music, but. I think Lil Dicky is somebody who like doesn't get credit for how talented of a musician and a, yeah. and a hip hop artist he is. Like, I oh, just, wow, think, yeah. I, I just think he's unbelievably talented and he gets put in the box of somebody who is a comedian or comedy rapper. And yeah, you know, I think, I think Good he's point. like, I think he's just, I think he's a lot more talented than that uh, as the fact that he's put on this unbelievable show, which hopefully, you know, wins awards and is deservedly. So um, have you guys watched Dave, by the way? Not season I have two not yet. watched the second season. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, second season. Finish start and finish the whole second season. There will be moments in the second season where you, you'll probably be like, eh, I'm not sure if I'm feeling it. Stick through the second season. I thought start to finish. I thought season two was was even better than season one. And season one was was spectacular. So yeah. um, yeah, I mean that song Molly, dude, like the depth of that oh, song yeah. is is unbelievable unbelievable mm-hmm. shout out to the jmu overtones my old acapella group did that song and before anyone knew little dicky he commented and and shared it on his social because he thought it was sick because no one really knew who he was and uh we just were we were huge fans i did did meet little dicky as well close personal friend as my dad would say anytime you speak to someone famous or shake their hand they're considered your close personal friend for the rest of your life oh. so Take that Danny Glover and I are close personal friends. I was going to say, who would be your number one close personal friend? If that rule applied? Yeah, with that rule applying. Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence. Kobe? Kobe? Oh, wow. Jesus. Did, did you shake Kobe's hand? I One time, this is a good story. I, I, it was around Christmas time. And I'm in the mall and, and it was uh, South Coast Plaza for all you Southern Californians listening. And we go to the mall and we go out to the car and he's parked like it's very tall, dude. Clearly it's Kobe. Like you don't mistake Kobe for someone else. And uh, he's packing up his car. and I'm like, oh, it's Kobe. Like, cool. And I don't want to say anything. And then uh, we go to Toys R Us. So I knew it was around Christmas because me and my dad are shopping by ourselves. And I must have been in seventh grade, maybe sixth or fifth even. And like he um we go to toys R Us, and i and and like i turn a corner with the cart me and my dad and i see kobe and like we had just left the mall and he was there and i, I said to him like what are you stalking me as a joke right like you know and then he laughed and then um i think he like he asked me something about like uh, some kind of he just said a comment and then i said like it's nice to meet you and shook his hand and and like he was really like pleasant to just run into in a store so that was kobe is now your close personal friend well all right i I, this is i'm curious about this because my dad has an all-time my dad has two all-timers and i have one that's pretty cool too so mine is garth brooks i was on i was on the phone with garth brooks he called into our radio station because he listens to our radio to espnu radio he's a huge college football fan yeah, his son went to Oklahoma. I hung out with him a few times, actually. So I, oh, that's cool. so I, I talked to Garth Brooks on the phone for a solid like thirty seconds. Not as cool as actually getting to meet them, but my dad was in a business meeting with Bill Gates, 
Fuck. And my dad met President Clinton when he was the president. Those are both dope. <laughs> so if you were nice. to, if, if let's all right, last thing we'll do before the pod because we've ran a little long here. Power ranking those four: Kobe, Garth Brooks, Bill Clinton. Uh, Kobe's a clear Bill one. Gates. I'm going Kobe's a Kobe, clear one. Clint, I'm going Kobe, Bill Gates. Uh, Clinton, Garth Brooks. I'm just not a country yeah. guy, so that's why. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same four. I don't know if I would have Kobe number one. It's it's Bill Gates, and just talking about like, I mean, Kobe. They're all four spectacular answers, but I would go, I would go, fucking president of the United States, man. While he was in office too. Yes. So he's getting like, you know, Monica at the time. It's the whole thing's going. <laughs> it down. might've been mid Monica. It might've been mid. Yeah. Uh, mid, <laughs> a mid Lewinsky. That should be a drink at a bar. Can I get a mid Lewinsky? Um, Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> is that a blow chop chop? Hey, no, easy. It's, it's, you, we so were all thinking up. it. You didn't have to vocalize it. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll go. I'll go Kobe. Clinton Garth Gates. It's Garth Brooks, man. Number yeah, one, right. <laughs> number one selling musical artist, live album, number one selling like live performer of all time. It's fucking Garth Brooks. You have to have him up there. All I'm right. Taylor, so it's a break that soon. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. This little known act that no one's ever heard of Taylor Swift. <laughs> all right, y'all. Uh, that's it. That's all we got for the pod. Thank you for listening. Enjoy college hey, football. I, I have a shout out. I have a shout out before we leave. Another uh, shout out? You got multiple shout outs? Yeah. Shout Another out number one. two. On, on this day, yet, well, yesterday, September 1st, 50 years ago, was the first lineup of all black or black Latino players in the Major League Baseball. And the Pittsburgh Pirates did it on September 1st, 1971. Sent out a lineup of Ronnie Stewart, uh, Ronnie Stennett at second base, Gene Kleins at first, Roberto Clemente in right. Willie Stargell and left Manny Sanguia at catcher, uh, Dave Cash at third base, Al Oliver at third, uh, Jackie Hernandez at short, and Doc Ellis was the pitcher. The first all-black uh, and Latino lineup in Major League Baseball 50 years ago yesterday. So shout out to them. That is uh, a worthy shout out. Um, everyone continue to stay safe. If you would like to donate anything towards the Hurricane Ida relief, the New Orleans officials recommend United Way of Southeast Louisiana, the Greater New Orleans Foundation. Uh, you can also go there, multiple GoFundMes pages uh, set up directly for Hurricane Ida Relief, the American Red Cross uh, emergency apps as well. So for the boys, thank you all for listening. Enjoy week one of college football. Get ready and let's go Badgers. Fuck Penn State. Take it easy, everybody. We are. <laughs> <laughs>